You're listening to the Country Chat Podcast with your host, Dom. Subscribe, give a five-star rating and follow us on Twitter at country underscore chat and stay up to date. Hi there, you listen to the Country Chat Podcast with me, Dom. Today I'm coming back to the UK. I'm going specifically over into Wales. And the guy that I'm speaking to doesn't really need an introduction. Everybody knows who he is. He hosts his own radio show in Wales, and it's known as SW20 Country. He's got his own gaming streaming sites known as the Welsh Simmer. He's known as the Welsh Dad. He's known as everything under the sun. It's the wonderful Carl Kendrick. Hi, Carl. Wow. Wow. That is an intro and a half. I'm going to save that for my own streams. That's a great, <laughs> great intro. And thank you for uh, having me on the podcast, Tom. Thank you, for, thank you for coming on. It's great to be able, it's great to actually sit down with you and just have a chat because we, we talk all the time. We talk on your shows, you know, whenever you do your Twitch streaming for your radio show, we're all, I'm always in the comments and you know, it's nice to actually sit down and have a proper chat. Yeah. One of the, the original members of Carl's Country Crew, eh? Carl's Country it's, Crew. Uh, I love that name. <laughs> it's uh, it's I, I'm sort of gutted that I didn't think I'm not really I'm normally really really good when it comes to like product names and brand names. Yeah, and I, I'm still I'm sort of secretly gutted. Well, obviously it's not a secret anymore that <laughs> I didn't call my radio show Carl's Country Crew because I think that's got a, a slight ring to it. I might have to I might have to create some you know some work with uh, t-shirts and logos and. All, all kinds of stuff. You see, I, the thing I've got is I absolutely love alliteration. I mean, country chat, the only reason why I went with country chat is not just for the fact that I'm just talking to people. It's the alliteration with C&C. So obviously when I've got the chance of doing CCC, it was like, yep, <laughs> here it comes. You're right, yes. And and like I said, I think, um, I think there is some things we can do with Carl's Kenji crew. Um, I'm not 100% sure what that is just yet, but um, like I said, when we raided that channel on Twitch and he came up with that little jingle on the fly. That was amazing. Um, it, it was, and and it was in my head the next day, Charles, country crew, what are you going to do? <laughs> and it's such, it's such, and um, I keep meaning to edit it. I want to use it now for, when I do shout-outs on the show. Yeah. Like, I want to make I want to make it into a bed, So, and I think it would be great use as a bed to do just that on a cycle yeah well um, i think i think i've got the video i think i've got the audio you know well it's on your um facebook isn't it it probably is on twitter or facebook or or somewhere i I think i I, you know on the like social media i post stuff absolutely everywhere it'll be it'll be be there somewhere if people want to listen to the uh to the jingle all right so we've at the start i mentioned that you've got your own radio show on sw20 that's right yeah so um I started with SW20 Radio, so they um, it all started from my wife um, on Facebook. One of her friends shared a post about mm-hmm. this brand new radio station in South Wales called SW20 Radio, and it's around the time of my life when um, I suppose we'll, we mentioned it, we'll talk about it later. But I was getting the urge to start DJing again, um, yeah, and doing doing dance music and. I've done internet radio over the years. I've done FM stations. Um, I've done all kinds of stuff. And I was really starting to get an itch again for DJing and, and dance, dance music. Yeah. So um, I found some details of the, of the gentleman, uh, Chris Jones, who is the, the founder. I sent, I sent him across a message. We started chatting. And then, so of November, I recorded like a demo. Um, the show was called Audio Traffic, which is a 
um, a throwback to an event I organised as a promoter back in 2000 and I'm going to say 2006, maybe. Yeah. Uh, an event I did in Whitney in Oxfordshire. And that was like a hard house house event. But Audio Traffic was a name. We talk about um, how I was like with brands and stuff. And when I come up with Audio Traffic, I wanted to have something which was like um, a, representation, a representation of what I could offer as a promoter and a club night. Yeah. And I, was, I remember doodling on, on a notepad all different all different names and ideas and stuff. And I come up with this audio traffic and the visual in my head was, you know, speakers pounding that music, like move, like notes moving through the yeah. air as traffic. That's yeah. literally how I come up with it. And it's probably one of the most things I've come up with. And it was actually unique. I Googled audio traffic and there was nothing. Really? There was nothing called audio, audio traffic at all. Like now if you Google it, apparently I think it's a band in Japan or Hong Kong or somewhere. <laughs> but at the time, because I remember bringing the name back um, a few years back for another club night in Cardiff and I remember thinking look if they randomly find me and, and sue me for copying them I'm like hang on I did this in like 2005 and you weren't even a band then yep. it's in my name of it it's in my name of anything um, so yeah audio traffic was I brought back audio traffic and it was two hours of of dance classic dance and um, throwbacks yep. so that was the that was the show and they loved it um, I did a bit of talk. I didn't do as much talking as I do on my show, but I did enough to to navigate through the hours. So it wasn't just it wasn't just music. So I yeah. usually pre-record the mix, and then I would edit the mix with my talk talking bits over the top, which was really good because you can really time it. With yeah, drops and be- <laughs> it sounded like really professional, but it's all done post edit. Yeah. Um, so I did that, and they loved it. So um, middle November, I managed to. Um, because I was one of the first DJ presenters on on the station, mm-hmm. so I pretty much had, um, I pretty much had a free reign on when to do the show. All so right. I looked, I looked around the, the schedule and I thought, okay, what would be good for what I do? So Saturday night was already taken as in the late slot. So ten o'clock to eleven, you you had a Dutch DJ doing a, a trance show, and then from eight till ten, you had. Um, Phil Sharman, Phil Sharman doing a, a dance show as well. All right. So I thought, you know, well, the stuff I play is quite. I call the house music I played back then karaoke house. <laughs> a lot of samples of stuff people know, remixes, um, especially the throwback stuff. You know, it was it was a lot of samples, a lot of acapellas, a lot of remixes. So I thought, you know what? what? In my head, I'm thinking six to eight is a really good slot. Yeah. It's like the warm up, the warm up for your Saturday night. You know. Yeah. People in the house getting ready for Saturday night, you know, eight o'clock the time they start. That's right, exactly. And I thought six to eight would be a great slot on Saturday. Yeah. Um, so I said, look, can I do this slot? Yeah, yeah, great. So um so from November then till March, I was doing this this weekly show on a Saturday and it's brilliant. I get some really good feedback and getting loads of interaction and, and all that kind of stuff. But then come sort of middle of March, the station then was due to the launch officially, they had a studio in Pontypool all, all lined up, all set up. So they're officially going to launch on April the 4th. Now, in the meantime, COVID's appeared, started ripping its way through the nation. Yeah. And, you know, and, and so that was looking sketchy at best if we're still going to launch. And then 
in the meantime, so from November to, to March, we've had more presenters come on board, more DJs come on board. So come beginning of March, we now had maybe four or five, maybe six dance-specific DJs who did shows on the Wednesdays or Fridays. You had a Thursday, Thursdays, and plus the Saturday stuff. Yeah. So I remember sitting down one day going, right, I want to be quite selfishly, I think, if I'm being honest, I wanted to to be able to throw some light on what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I felt as doing the show as I was doing it, I would just blend in with other shows. So the idea was, what I think in my head was, if someone tuned into my show, unless they heard me talking, it could be me playing or Phil playing or, or Boy Griff or, or Gareth or any of the other dance DJs. Yeah. So it's only until I started talking, they would know with me. Yeah. If that makes sense. So I wanted to do something different. So I had a, I had a look around the schedule. There's already there's already a rock show. Um, there was already a 90s show. There was already a show with some 80s music. Um, so it, I then sort of looked back on what I've done in the past in terms of radio. Because I've been doing radio now since 2000. Yeah. And I've done plenty of different specialist shows. So I've done the usual sort of just um, hit radio stuff. Um, I've done the commercial radio kind of stuff on a on an FM station down in Oxfordshire, and I didn't want to do that. I didn't want again again. I didn't want it to be that to me is just generic. Yeah, you know, just playing a, a playlist A or playlist B with with top forty stuff. <laughs> it was, that's not me. I, I, yeah, no yeah. I, I can't. Even, I can't even tell you who's in the top forty. That's for probably the last like three years. <laughs> um, so. I thought, right, so the stuff I've done in the past, I've done live music, which wasn't going to happen because this was March now. We are well under COVID, so I thought live music is absolutely no-no because there's going to be no live music for some time. Yeah. I've done a blues a blues show in the past. I've done a Motown show in the past. I've done a rock show, which we've always said there's already a rock show on the station. And I've done a country show. And the country show is probably, we're looking now 2000, 2004, um, and that was on uh, GWR Radio in Swindon, and that was a hospital radio network um, based out of of um, just down the road from um, I can't remember the hospital's called now. John Radcliffe, yeah, John Radcliffe. So it's just based down the road from John Radcliffe, and that was on the so that was broadcast to all sort of the Swindon area, um, Swindon area sort of hospitals. I did a country show on a, on a Sunday, but. I thought, you know, country, yeah. I enjoyed doing country then. So I thought, you know what, I'll do a country show. So I remember emailing Barry Jones, who was the other co-founder, or messaging him on Facebook, look, Barry, I love doing what I do, mm-hmm. but I feel like I want to do something differently. Yeah. And to, be, to his credit, he's like, oh, okay, what do you fancy doing? Not, it wasn't a, a straight no or, <laughs> or, you know, you know, what do you fancy doing? So well, I fancy doing country. And I could probably hear across messengers, like, him going, country. Yeah. What? Exactly, yeah. And I'm not lying to you, right? I thought, right, so I come off, I, I sent the message, I had a discussion, I said, yeah, Tuesday, um, because I was broadcasting from home then, also with keeping in mind that when the studio reopens in the future, nine o'clock would be a good time, because it gives me time to sort the kids, time to travel to the studio, you know, it's a decent time. Nine o'clock is, I think, in terms of radio, nine o'clock is a really good time, Yeah, because those who listen... The day's done, so they're happy just to sit back, listen to some radio, listen to some music. They're not considered about work. Work's done, you know, for the last couple of hours, whatever. And she said, yeah, you can do Tuesday. 
nine o'clock. I'm brilliant. So I come off Messenger, and I thought, right, what am I going to play? Because I knew obviously country, and then I'm thinking, I knew like Luke Combs and Eric Church, and you know all you know, and obviously the the, the old traditional country. I knew all this, but I thought, do I want to play that? Yeah. Do I want to sound like every other commercial country <laughs> radio station? But at this time, I thought I would be because I got on my phone. I'm literally on a lunch break. I googled UK country. Yep. And I think the only result I got back was the Shires and okay. some random, some random. It might even have been Amy Wadge, maybe. You know, yeah. Um, so and I was, and I thought, what have I done? <laughs> I thought, what am I going to? So I'm literally. So my first show was on the 31st of March. I opened up the Shires. I can't even. I wish I'd saved that playlist because it was like the Shires, Luke Combs, Eric Church. But Ken, I think Kenny was in there, maybe Dolly, um, Johnny Cash. It was like literally the like if you're going to write down how to do a commercial country radio station, it was like the track list. Yeah, it was like a carbon carbon copy. And I remember finishing that show. I was like, I can't do that. That just there's no soul to there's no there's no soul to the to the show. Yeah, it's no it's very generic no and very yeah. very generic. Yeah. So I then right thought, well, what can I do? And over the last sort of like ten months, eleven months, things have changed gradually over the show. I've added stuff, gradually. stuff away. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's it's things have just appeared. It's it's like with me and the show I have is. I sometimes think that I might have a touch of ADHD because I will think of an idea. Oh, sorry. Hang on. I will like slightly think of an idea and then suddenly I'm running with it like hundred <laughs> miles an hour before I've even like, really thought it through. And I do that a lot with interesting life. Um, so um, I contacted, I thought, right. So, so this is how I did my first show, right? So I did an album a month and it was Jessie Alexander. Yeah. I think. Um, and she just released the album. Um, the, the, County, something county, Decatur County, was it? Something like that. It was something like that. But basically, right, the day before my first show, I seen a couple on Twitch, on Twitter, that she's releasing his album. Oh, great. There's my album a month. I didn't even listen to it. Yeah. I didn't even listen to it. I just seen it. And just so played I, it. I had like, <laughs> I had like, you know, maybe 20 followers at this time, right? So I just seen it. I thought, right, I'll just play it. I didn't even look. I didn't, I just literally tagged her in a post. Oh, look, we're loving the album. Um, you're gonna be album of a month. On the on the on the idea was of engagement. Like yeah. If she mentioned us or tweeted us or retweeted us, it would encourage other people. It was literally just a, a proper like brand exposure exercise. That's, that's the honest honest truth. Because I try to build up this this following of the the new Twitter account. So I thought, yeah. right, who can I piggyback onto just to? And we've all done it just to piggyback onto someone just to bring exposure to the account. So I didn't even listen to the album. I literally I didn't listen to any of the album. I just I just downloaded it on Spotify and I just chose a track. I didn't even listen to the track. I just literally randomly chose a track with just the intention of playing the title track last. Yes, yeah. that was all. So I was then looking through Twitter on country. I was literally looking up all the hashtags: country music, UK country music. I was scrolling through, following people, and I came across then. Um, I came across um, Jesse from Fab. Revolution. Yes. App. Yeah. So she, I, I looked at her website, her blog. She did country reviews, among other stuff. So I reached out to her and said, "Look, Jesse, do you, can you do me a favour? Can you give me a track of the week for this week and next week and maybe the following week?" 
and she sent me Becky Lawrence's track, and I can't remember which one. It might have been that guy, possibly. Yeah. Um, Love Becky Lawrence. So, yeah. So she sent me that track. So I reached out to Becky to look back in. We'll be playing your track on Tuesday. Give me the track of the week. Um, I reached out to her. She recorded a little like voiceover. Hi, this is Becky Lawrence. This is my track. Blah blah blah. Um, I invited her onto the Facebook page, and she invited a load of her mates to to like the page. I can't remember if she did a live stream for us or not. She might have, possibly. Um, so she did a live stream. Also, let me just quickly rewind that first show. In the process of reaching out to people, um, Rachel got in touch from Scala River Management. So yeah. she noticed I set me a Twitter account. She messaged me, oh, look, I've got I manage artists. Do you want to to, to chat to anyone? Or do you want to, to you know, they me? Like, yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like I need as much. I think I need as much help as I can here to get myself. Because obviously, this time I didn't realize how big the independent country music. Not you know I, <laughs> what I know now. Back yeah. then, I had actually no knowledge. You know, I didn't know. I didn't realize how close and how big and how widespread the, the community was. You know, for country music. It's like a, I think um, of it like a spider's web. You know, as soon as you get onto it, you think, okay, I'm in it. But then you walk a bit further. Next thing you know, you're surrounded by more web, and then you go a bit further. And next thing you know, it's even more web. It's just this big whole interconnected circle oh, of it, friends and family. It's crazy, yeah. So obviously, she got me in touch with um, Bob Fitzgerald, Kelsey Bovey, Danny McMahon, yeah, uh, and um, and Steve from Hicktown Breakout, yeah. So suddenly now I've gone from from this generic playlist to I had interviews booked, and yeah. so Rachel was the very first guest I had on, and our interview went on for about fifteen minutes, uh, which is fine, which I thought was fine. Yeah. Then I played on the first show, and I was like, that was a bit long. I love that. <laughs> no, I love the interview, but I thought that was I can't be doing that because I don't think because I I was in this. Um, I was concerned that country music is such a niche. I didn't want to turn people off. I, want, I thought I need to play more music, less chat, because I was trying to push country music to a station and maybe to a listener base that didn't normally listen to country music. They normally listen to all way. They yeah. associate country music with Dolly Parton, with John Denver, with Johnny Cash, Garth Brooks. You know, they, and I was concerned listening back. You know, they, it was really good. I thought that was a bit long. Um, and then my next guest then was Bob Fitzgerald. I did that interview. I remember listening back and I think I weren't long enough. <laughs> you just can't uh, wait. I, like, I know. And I was like, oh, there's so much I want to speak to Bob, but I felt like I was rushing, I was rushing the interview. And that, and that feeling stayed with me until like recently because um, I was trying to squeeze interviews into 10 minutes. And as you know yourself, I mean, we've probably been on this now for like 10, 15 minutes already, you know. 30 and minutes. There we go. And, you know, you. You want to squeeze so much into it. It was difficult to, to because you're you're um, you're mindful, right? You're trying to promote the artist as well, so they might have a new track out, or so you want to get that in, but you want to also get a bit of backstory as well. So yeah, exactly. I find really, but say through Rachel, like Bob Fitzgerald, um, Hicktown Breakout, Danny Kelsey, also um, I got in touch with Mal McWatt. He just released his EP with like Raining Down in Nashville. All that kind of stuff, and I was like, I love that track. But what I'm trying to say is, over the course of like probably four weeks, I'd gone from that first playlist of carbon copy of every 
generic commercial radio station out there. Mm-hmm. And they've suddenly taken shape into, like, they was going from, we still had Luke Combs being requested every week, or naturally, Teddy, though. or Dolly, naturally. But it started, it started gradually taking shape into this more, this playlist, which is more like what I do now of more independent stuff. But as I said, it's like a spider web. I find on one artist, <laughs> I'd be on their feed or social media and maybe mention someone else. Yeah. And it, it's, it's like going a rabbit hole because <laughs> once once you're in there, I found myself on Twitter then, suddenly the Twitter account is, I'm finding people following me randomly, like from Nashville. Um, I had Paige Gregory follow me and then that opened the doors to uh, Jessica Lynn Whitty, Diamonds and Whiskey, Robin Henry, you know, and yeah. through them, I, I got in touch with other artists, you know, and there was Taylor Hughes and um, Kirsty Crows, and then we had SJ McDonald. And suddenly, it's like I'm suddenly I'm getting to the point where my inbox, like I set up the email for submission, like I wanted to do maybe a week, and suddenly I'm getting like three a day, yeah. four a day, and I was like every week I'm going through the this emails and inboxes, and I'm going wow, I'm like I didn't know what to play, you know, yeah. and. It got to the point where um, I was trying to be like I, I tried to to structure a radio show, the playlist. But it got to the point where I was listening to so much music. Like I'd be in work in my van, I'd have it on, I'd download all the tracks, I'd check the playlist on, and I'd be I'd listening to my van, and I'm like, this is amazing. And suddenly now I find myself I've got two hours of music. <laughs> but the problem is I need to, I need to talk at some point as well. So then I'm going, what do I cut? So I usually aim for about an hour and a half worth of music, give me time to do all the links in between. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm going, what do I cut? So I started rolling over tracks the following week, but then all I'm doing is creating a more of a backlog for me to, to 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 listen and to get more music because I play pretty much anything and I don't have prejudice about, against music or artists or anything like that. It's... Um, I mean, I've had some music sent to me, which I particularly don't like. Personally, don't like. Yeah, I, I said, I've said this. I said Naturally. this before. It's not. It's not my place to not play something I don't like. It. Yeah. My job. I feel my role as a presenter is to present music, regardless of how I feel about it, because music is subjective. <clears throat> I just want to touch upon that as well because I've had, I've had music sent to me as well, and i've i've told other people about it and other people don't like it i've had music that i've not really liked um but you know it's, i'll always give people the same benefit of the doubt and i'll still give people the same opportunities as what everybody else is because whether i like something or not is you know irregardless somebody else might like it or somebody else might like it and it's about spreading the love mm. i mean music is subjective okay so it's like i don't know it's like eating chicken right <laughs> Everyone, t- everyone's taste is different. So, ev- but no, but you know what I'm saying. You know, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. But like, music is subjective, right? So, a, so even if you don't like it or you don't think you like it, a lyric or a chord change or a note might, you know, might you know connect with someone else. So, as I see, so I see my role as a presenter to present music and share information, and it's down to the listener then to decide if they like it or not. Like I say, it's not that's not my my role to judge music, my role is to present music because I'm grateful that all these PR companies and management and artists have faith in sending me music. Yeah. And and because I don't say many times, without those submissions, one, it'd be more work for me, but two, it would be just me just press and play on random music rather than 
stuff that's been sent to me and people have taken the time to, to you know to send it to me so I appreciate that I'm on a mailing list they've added me they've gone okay I'll, yeah Carl Kendrick my SW20 country yeah. will add him to our mailing list you know otherwise I've said it without my interaction from the artists and the listeners it would just be me talking into a vacuum for you know for two hours now that, that that's it exactly though the fact that you've got to you get an. I mean, I've got an inbox full of new music as it is, and I always feel, I always feel really bad because it's so easy for emails to suddenly disappear to the bottom of the page, and you're trying to go all the way to the bottom to make sure you go through everybody and give everybody that same chance. So, I know, I know the struggle. I know, I know how difficult it is, and to try and fit at least everybody in once, and then especially when you get requests from everybody else, which could be requesting the same song week in, week out, because it happens. Because people, when people find a song they love, they genuinely do love it, and that's the great thing about the UK scene. I find is the fact that when we do genuinely love an artist, we love an artist. You know, as opposed to like the American scene where it'd be like, oh, I like a song from there and a song from there. For us, it's just like. We want it all. We we just want to yeah. engulf ourselves. I mean, we that's right with the show. I mean, every week I I have a schedule of tweets which I send out every week, and usually on a Monday, Monday afternoon, Tuesday morning, I'll send out a tweet. Look, the show's back tomorrow. What do you want to hear? What tracks do you want to do? You submit your own track. I do get the same the same request quite a lot. The same artist, but that doesn't really concern me because one, it means I've got a listener, at least one listener. You know, um, but two, it shows you that um, these, like you say, these fans are out there sharing the work of artists they love. Because that yeah. same that same user account, that same social media account, will be tweeting, you know, the other stations. And I think that's what I love about UK country scene. Well, well we say the independent country scene because um, there's a lot of love out there for all these artists, and I think. These um, these guys and girls, uh, men and women, they grow their fan base organically. Yeah. So as they grow and their fan base get bigger, you can see that. You see some artists. Let's talk like Harriet Rose, for example. Okay. Yeah. Last last year alone, her fan base has grown massively. You know. Yeah. Um, Amelia Quinn, another one. You know, um, Martin McWatch, who we've already mentioned. You know, he's got himself a new publishing deal uh, in America, and. But you see, every time he posts a track, like I was on Facebook on Friday and his new um, EP, Blue Hour, released, and I, I shared it. But then obviously then when I shared it, it shows me everyone else who shared the same the same link. Yeah. And his link got shared like, you know, 50 times or something, or something ridiculous. And these aren't people who, these aren't people who, who work with him, who are linked with him, or friends, sorry, or, or family. These are all just random people sharing, sharing a link. And I think that's what I love about the the independent country scene, which I've come to learn. I mean, my, like you said, on last March, my knowledge of country music in the UK was zero. Absolutely. There was no knowledge whatsoever. And over the last, you know, 10 months, it's probably, I don't know, I can't even print the numbers how, how my knowledge has changed. But then we talk about the show. So the show started the first week of March. Sorry, the first week of lockdown. So the 31st of March. Yeah. Lockdown started on the 23rd. Um, and the show grew so quickly in terms of interaction uh, and feedback and emails to the point where we organised our festival in May, you know, the, the Spring Music Festival, yeah. which was only going to be one day. It was a May bank holiday. It was just going to be the Sunday, and that was it. 
So I quickly, within like a day, had 12 artists done, like sorted. Yeah. Time's done. But then I had, I think, I'd get more emails, more <laughs> direct messages, and more messages. And the problem with my personality is that I want to please everyone. That's my personality. I want to keep everyone, I want to make everyone happy. So I thought, okay, I'll do Saturday as well. Yeah. So I opened up Saturday. That was full in a day. And I still had people messaging me now. So we was up to, so Saturday and Sunday was, um, there was 42 apps all together, three days. So Saturday and Sunday would have been, I don't know, 37 apps or 36, 33, 36 probably. Yeah. Saturday and Sunday. I still had people, I still had people messaging me and DMing me. So I thought, I added Friday. Um, so suddenly now, so this is May, we announced the festival probably middle of May. Mm-hmm. So we've been going, we've been going for what, say four, six weeks? Yeah. We only had like six shows, seven shows. Yeah. Suddenly, I've announced a three-day, 42-act festival <laughs> on Facebook. Which was mental in itself. And, which is great, but then I find out, like, so I announced the date, I've got the lineup. I've done the poster, I've done all the artwork, I've done all the branding. Then, like, three days after I announced it, I find out Buckle My Boots is the same weekend. <laughs> I remember, I mean, again, I don't, I don't know what Buckle, I don't know what Buckle and Boots is. I didn't know what Buckles and Boots was. Yeah. Again, my, we're talking about knowledge is nothing. Um, I'm like, okay, what's Buckle and Boots? So I quickly check the link. I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> that's, some, that's, some, that's some major names going on there, like. Yeah. Um, <coughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, it's okay, we'll be fine. So we're we're getting closer now to May, spring May, uh, this the festival. But I've noticed then that from the festival, this was coming back to the to the to the show. So I get more followers on social media. Uh, we'd done live streams on the. We started doing live streams on Facebook. So we'd had um, trying to think. We had, we had Bob Fitzgerald, Lisa Redford, I think. Um, uh, Mal McWatt. So I think come the start of the festival, we'd already done maybe, I'm going to say, I think we did like three every like Tuesday or something, or three every Friday or something. So I think we'd done maybe 12 live streams. Yeah. And through the way Facebook works and live streams work, the, the, the page was going up, the follow rate was going up organically. Yeah. So come, come the start of, come the start of the, Festival. I think we were, I think we were around, I don't know, three hundred likes, say, four hundred followers. Which I thought it was great. Yeah, that's probably the most. Any page I've ever started, that's probably the most I've grown organically <laughs> in anything I've ever. All my projects and everything I've done in the past, and that was great. By the end of that weekend, I think we were up to eight hundred. Wow, that's seven hundred, eight hundred. It was, but I think again, I think it was helped by. That when you watch a live stream on Facebook, it quickly pops up. Follow the page for for live notifications. Yeah. So I think I know. I mean, I know. I know for a fact loads of people are doing that. But while I look at the festival, something which sort of eased my concerns about the Buckle and Boots Festival is that you talk about the fan base and independent country artists. They all have their own fan base. Yeah. So I remember saying to to, to many people, "Look, I'm fine because I think." Like, even though Buckle and the Boots is this massive, like, you know, renowned date in the UK calendar, I think we're going to be okay because all these artists are going to bring their own fan base. So all these artists are sharing the, their time and date on their own social media 
and they will bring their fans with them, which what happened. Yeah. Plus, we had many people who were, who were staying to watch other other artists, and um, like I said, so by the end of that weekend, we'd shot up to about eight hundred likes or whatever follows, but we'd had across the three days, we'd had fifty eight thousand views. Wow! Whoa! Um, wow! Now I looked up. I, I looked up Buckingham Boots, and Saturday we beat them. Yeah, and I'm not being competitive. I'm not being competitive anything. But <laughs> no, no, I you every happy. right to be. I mean, I love the guys at Buckingham Boots, but for a show that's been only going for what four six weeks, it's like yeah, yeah. But it also yeah, it, but it also gave us. I think it gave us a little bit of um, credibility. Yeah, I think, and. I was helped by the artists, and we did. We had five minute changeover times, and nobody was late. Yeah. So those forty two apps, everyone was on time, everyone played on time, everyone left on time, everyone started on time. So I think that I think that helped massively to, to the whole thing. And I'll let, I cannot can't thank those you know, those guys and girls enough because I was stressing out because I was out, I was out doing stuff for my family. So every now and again, I'd have to flick. I had no moderators. I had no admin. Just me on the page. Yeah. So literally, I'd be out and about shopping or something. I'd quickly flick. And my wife's looking at me. I'm going to continue to check that they're on. I'm going through checking all day. And I'm not, I'll tell you now. This is what happened. Right. This is how. This is how tired I was. So Friday went okay. Uh, apart from Tommy Taylor can do. So we brought in um, Georgia Barker stepped in. Uh-huh. She done. She done a live stream for us on the Wednesday. So she was happy to come back. So she's done it for Tommy. And then Mal McQuarrie had to drop out. So instead of Mal, he had um, Lars Pluto. Yeah. But apart from that, apart from that, no one else changed. No one else had any issues. It's great. Um, so Friday, we done Friday fine. Um, Saturday was fine. But then Saturday, I had extend again. Going back to, I want to please everyone. I'd extended Saturday's time to eleven o'clock. So Kyle Elliott would start last one at eleven o'clock, right? Yeah. So most of the day. Because the way I did it was, I made everyone admin on the page. You could just make it easier. They just go live off the page. Yeah. So I'd be messaging people. Go, okay. Um, so and so should be finished in five minutes. I'd give you a, a quick nod, you know, a thumbs up on your when you go live. Yeah. So <clears throat> I was then. Um, so it's eleven o'clock. I was tired. I like <laughs> you know that when you get that adrenaline, just the adrenaline just, just constantly out. going and going and going. Yeah. So the adrenaline run out now. So Kyle, I was on messenger with Kyle. He was due to go on at um, five past eleven. Yeah. So eleven o'clock. I'm like, usual message. Okay, Kyle, I'll give you a thumbs up when uh, it's time to go. Yeah. I then wake up at five past midnight. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, your heart must have sunk. Your stomach must have just gone. Bleh. I've gone onto the Facebook page. I've hit, he's obviously gone live. I've hit the live, he's gone right, can't get hold of Carl, but I think we're good to go. <laughs> oh, no. But the thing is, I think I've told him, I've, t- I've told him since, but the next day I said, oh, sorry, mate, um, I had a problem with the kids. I, I, I had a rush away. <laughs> Perfect <laughs> excuse, eh? Um, but I was like, oh, my days. But then, so we come on to the Sunday, and <clears throat> we had a, probably the first moment of negativity of Sunday morning, Yeah, I think. Um, Caitlin May was kicking off at 10 and um, that was the only moment there's a, a brief moment where we had someone in chat being just being an absolute idiot but that was the only time across all the apps that we had any any issues most of the time it was real positive energy 
loads of great feedback, loads of great comments. It's just one, it's one guy, this one thing. So I obviously banned that person. And then we cracked on through Sunday. And Sunday probably was probably my, my favorite day because that was the that was the original date. Yeah. So when I when I booked everyone, that was the original date of artist. So then in the run up to the week I had um uh Jessica is it Jessica from Diamonds and Whiskey. Yep. Um she'd be on to Jennifer. me and Paige would be on to me. Yeah, and Jennifer, so yeah, Jennifer. So there's too many Jessica's. Jennifer. Um <laughs> She's she's like oh look we got something really special for Sunday, yeah. I'm like great yeah look yeah wicked she's like oh, yeah we're gonna be good doing like a rehearsal we're gonna be using like a rehearsal we've got the whole band they'll be in rehearsal space and we're gonna have all the band there oh that'd be great and because obviously I'm not, as I've said in previous stuff I got nothing against the being in the kitchen yeah. or being in the bedroom or being in the living room because you know I appreciate those people who are spending the time to live stream to us and well we're all free, down at that point yeah. That's right. So, um, so Robert Henry. So the last three of acts of Sunday were all the Paige Gregory people. So we had Robert Henry. He had a full band. Yeah. I think he's in a, I think he's in a garage. We had the full band there. The pedal. Yep. The pedal. Um, what do you call it? The um, what are they called? Yeah. Yeah. They all. There's loads of them. They all have the Stensons on and hats. And it was <laughs> like I love. I love Robert Henry. He's got such he, a deep he, and husky voice. Same with um, yeah. Carl Elliott though as well. They've both That's got right. that real, real American tone. Yeah, and, they, they, and there's few... The thing with Robert Henry, there are few traditional country singers out, like, from our generation or generation behind us. Yeah. You know, most, most of the traditional country singers are sort of, you know, my parents' age kind of thing. They're all, you know, just a bit older than me. Um, with Robert Henry, he's quite a young lad, and he's, but he's singing traditional country music. So he had his band. So then come then... Um, I'm doing the usual to to Jennifer. Okay, yeah, give you a thumbs up when you're good to go. Um, I knew they was in the they was in um, this rehearsal space, and as soon as they went live, I was like, ah, "What is this? It's like if they had lights, they had multi camera, they had the drummer behind the bloody, they had the drummer behind me on the stage. You know, they had. I was like, this is. I can remember grinning from like ear to ear. Like I was like, this is amazing. Suddenly. I was feeling tired again, but like my energy went just knocked up and went up a level. Yeah, and I was thinking, this they they've done this for me, like you know they they've approached the whole thing like it's a proper festival. Yeah, and I think for to have that right at the end really was like the the cherry on the top. We had then we had Jessica Lynn Whitty to end it, but the, those three acts alone, I was like, this is, and I say I was looking, I think I was always hunting for that credibility. I think that three-day thing helped me move the show forward because suddenly then, like we said, we're going up to 800, 900 followers, and which meant the content I was posting on social media was being seen by people. You know, and yeah. it was being organically seen. I, was, I didn't have to do adverts. I didn't have to do anything. Uh, people were sharing posts. Artists were sharing posts. And, um, I mean, on the, across those three days, because obviously I made everyone admin. Like, oh, mate, can you please like take admin off me now? Because I just look like a notification. <laughs> Honestly, I remember logging in. I'd have like fifty notifications of people yeah. commenting or sharing or whatever. I'd be going it'd be like at all for the whole week, the week weekend. And um, so as we so so that was the May, and then we've since then, like I said, we've we've had more and more people reach out to the show. Um, we've had more life. I think now 
um, up to the end of 2020, I think, including those 42 apps, I think we've done must be close to like 90 live streams or something, 85, 90 live streams. I don't know what the number is officially, but yeah, it's, we've done a lot. And um, I'll always appreciate those artists spending their time, their own free time to come, well, for free, because we're obviously not paying them anything yeah. to come and perform. And I've had some random people go, look, look can we do a live stream? Like, yeah, I don't, I, don't even, I don't even know who they are. I'm like, God, I God, I'm like, truth. So, like, Lizzie Kate's prime example. So Lizzie messaged me on Facebook. Yeah. So, yeah, can I do a live stream? I'm like, yeah, what do you want to do? So, well, my my new EP launches uh, on Friday. Can I do it on Friday? Like, yeah, fine. I had no idea who she was. I, I swear, I looked at Twitter. <laughs> she wasn't even on Twitter. Or, or Twitter account was, like, really inactive. Yeah. I was like, yeah, sure, crack on. You know, I used the details. She did an hour, and it's brilliant. And that probably sums up how I found most of my music. Um, Isn't it crazy? Isn't it just crazy? Oh, it is. So someone give me a name, and I'll look up it on Spotify. Like, recently, um, oh, what's her name? Bell Is it Sam Ray? Is it Sam Ray? No, we'll go back to that. Sam Ray <laughs> or Ray Sam? I think it's Sam Ray. Yeah. She's a Welsh country singer, right? And never heard of her. And she got songs on Spotify, which have had like 10,000 streams or something. I'm like, never heard this about a week ago, two weeks ago. I'm like, how have how I not? How have how, how I, ra- I randomly found it? You know what I'm saying? And that's what I've done. A lot of the artists I've just randomly found. But I said, over the last 10 months, like, so we talked about our first playlist, and we was like all like Luke Combs, Shires, all commercial country. Yeah. Plus Becky, plus Becky Lawrence. That's probably, that's probably it. Like old country, plus Becky Lawrence. And the show we did on Tuesday just gone. Probably not. I don't think there was one, what you say, commercial country song on there. It was literally all independent country music. And I think, and I've gone a little bit now, but I think um, it sounds, the, the show sounds like it's got more soul. Yeah, it no, sounds exactly. like it's got more character. And what I've always said to people when I say, like, I tell my friends and work, all my colleagues, oh, yeah, I do a weekly radio show. Oh, yeah, what do you do? Our oh, country, you know. It's always I can that. See them, I can see them roll their eyes, you know. I'm like, but it's not, it's not, like I keep saying, I might make it a tagline. It's not the country your grandparents listen to, you know. This is modern yeah. country. It's not just rhinestones and, and you know, gunsling- yeah. uh, old, you know, outlaw country. It's not gunslingers or anything like that. It's- I mean, there's still, you still get the common themes of alcohol women, relationships, you know, you've still got a common theme, like, you know, of all country music, but it sounds so much better now, because I think country music as a genre, across the spectrum of country music, you know, we've got, like, for example, Mal McWatt yeah. on one side, okay? We've got Tommy Taylor on the other side, you know? Yeah. And in, in, the, middle, in the middle, we've got, like, Amelia Quinn, we've got Kyle Elliott, you know? you know? And you've got four, just those four individuals there, they all have a distinct sound. It's all country, yeah. But it's a particular style of country, and I think it makes the show. It gives, and what I like about doing it, what I like to think happens is that when people listen to my show, is that they listen to the show because it's stuff that if they listen to a commercial radio station in the week, or if they listen to DAB, you know, the stuff I play might be stuff they've heard before. So I think that when you when you hear a song for the first time, yeah. something you don't hear very often, I think you listen better, if that makes sense, because um, if you listen to commercial radio a lot, the playlists repeat a lot, 
Mm-hmm. So I think at some point, if you stop listening, it becomes background noise. If no one's saying so, yeah. you might if you listen to a uh, not country but commercial radio station in the car. Yeah. At some point, you just zone out. You're not even going to listen to the radio. It'll just be a background noise. And I like to think that my show in particular, because it's independent country music and maybe new tracks, for example, talking about Belle, Belle, Bella Velvet, um, people are going to listen listen more because it's stuff, stuff they hear regularly. It's it, maybe a one-off or yeah. a track someone's requested. So that's why, that's why I think. Anyway, I rambled on you yeah, about, about that. But, uh, no, yeah. no, I've, I told you right at the start, I absolutely love it when when people do ramble and go on tangents and you haven't even gone on tangents, you've gone into depth and that's what I love. And there's one thing that you haven't mentioned yet and I'm surprised is the awards that you did as well. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, yeah, the Spring Music Festival Awards. That yes. Was, um, that was interesting. Again, that was like an idea which just popped in my head. And again, I, I'll be brutally honest with you. I think in my head, it's all about brand management. Yeah, and the Spring Music Awards was not only a chance to reward, you know, um, the musician and artist. And one thing I learned before I talk about that, one thing I learned was never to do a public nomination ever again. <laughs> um, right, let me just tell you. So I did. So first, I did the Survey Monkey. Yeah. Um, which I didn't realize was on a free account. You only get like forty submissions, which went within I'm not like within like ten minutes. So I had to reset the whole thing. I went onto a Google form. Right? So we had best solo artist, best group, best original, best cover. Yeah. Okay? Um, and obviously then Google form gives me everything as an output. Like people were voting for Shania Twain in the best solo artist or, um, or Luke Combs in the best male or, you know, so literally Random like, obviously ones. no one, obviously no one who's actually watched the, the Spring Music Festival had just They're seen just... the country show doing it doing the awards and they'd vote for everyone but yeah. then you see the people who were obviously like spamming votes but they they wouldn't be subtle so like say, let's say it was Mike Blogs right yeah. and it'd be Joanne Blogs and it'd be Lisa Blogs and it'd be John Blogs and so literally like that I'm like going well that's just one vote yeah <laughs> Well, it's like myself. Um, I think I've got like five different email accounts. So it's me doing. I mean, you'd be able to tell it's me, but yeah, yeah. you just oh, it's so frustrating when that so, happens. So what I what I realised very quickly was that wasn't a proper nomination process. Yeah, I let, I let it go. I let, I let it slide um, because it was generating. Let's go back to the brand management. It was generating engagement with the Twitter account and the Facebook page. Yeah, it's probably what I wanted. I wanted to drink. Um, promote engagement to get more listeners to the station. That's the, that's the, that's the idea. So I realised quickly doing the nomination publicly like it stops being a it stops becoming a competition. It starts becoming a popularity contest. Yeah. And um, so the idea. So you think the people with the most fans are going to get the most votes, which I wasn't really that comfortable with. But I let it slide. So I got all the votes done. Uh, it gave me a rough idea, a rough shortlist. So then I reached out to people, and so I reached out to people again who I made connections with. I reached out to you. Yes. You involved? Of course I was. <laughs> just say, of course um, I was. So, so other podcasters, um, management agencies, um, other radio presenters, yeah, and a select few people. So we, I think we had fifteen in the end, fifteen on the panel, which yeah. again, I think I think it's amazing because again, they, these are people who are willing to take the time to to vote. So we did all that, 
and then um see i bet you've forgotten I, as well i bet you've forgotten the facts that i actually did you a full broken down excel spreadsheet of who my first choice second choice third choice fourth choice was you know in exact order in a nice clear thing saying the obviously first uh, first to last and then each category so you could easily see across the top line were all the winners then second place then third because obviously it was point based as well so it's yes so again it was yeah so you probably were the clear i think everyone just sent me an email with a list um <laughs> but i remember i remember doing the google I remember doing the, the spread of spreadsheet open for all the votes and I'm trying to tally up like people's names and, and who they voted for and points and it's like ah. Oh. But so we did the string music award then and I had Joey Clarkson um quite happily offered to do the voiceovers for it. So she was doing the best international you know, the, um, fantastic best work solo. she did. Yeah. So suddenly it's gone from it's gone from this really small idea to this like a pretty bastard <laughs> So I I had, I had to pre-record everything. So I pre-recorded everything. I got all these transitions. I got like a I got her. Did I? Did she do individual? I think she did. So it was like um, so I'd go these are the nominees for best solo female. She's come up then best solo female. Yes. The nominees are and she going like Harriet Rose. I yeah. play a bit of Harriet Rose and, and and so on and so on. I thought I remember editing the video. God, this is amazing. It was really <laughs> really professionally done. It was fantastic. So I set it the premiere on Facebook. It's the first time I ever premiered a video on Facebook. Yeah. Um, I did it with a a, a ten minute countdown. So I got all edited. Um, Tommy Taylor, who obviously couldn't perform at the Spring Music Festival, he, he and Mal, I reached out both like, look, you were meant to perform at the Spring Music Festival. Do you mind recording some some music? And I think I did. Can't remember. It was Mal, Tommy, I can't remember. I, I can't remember. There's someone else. Basically, I had the songs in between awards. Yeah. Tommy Taylor didn't get back to me until like the day before. <laughs> so, well, no, he had got back to me, but he hadn't got around to recording anything. So. By the time he got back to me, I had already edited the video. The awards were done, yeah. edited. I was like, "Well, I need to. I wanted to involve. I need to involve somewhere." So what I did was I did a ten minute countdown. And the idea was um, this would allow people to come onto the onto the live stream, onto the stream on Facebook, rather than just jumping straight in. Yeah, I was down to about three minutes. I cut into Tommy then to yeah. play his track. He always come out with Tommy leaves like ten seconds into the award into the awards. So Tommy starts singing on the video. I'm watching on my phone, and then Tommy starts singing again. Like it starts again. Oh, like, the, like, the, no. so it went like five minutes, four minutes, three minutes. Tommy starts singing, and then suddenly it was like back to like four minutes countdown. Yeah, I thought, okay, maybe maybe it's just a glitch. Tommy starts singing again. <laughs> Same part, back to four minutes. I was like, what? I'm literally, I got like, I got like 30, 40 people on the stream now. I'm like, Christ! So I run upstairs. I'm trying to stop the video. The, the premiere video's not stopping. It's just it's just on a loop, going like four minutes down the top of me. So I got to get open up my streaming software, um, connect to Facebook. I got to play the video manually. I've skipped the Tommy bit just yeah. to get to. Just want to listen to him thirty times. Yeah, let's get to the start, and then we're off. So thankfully, people hung around. Um, yeah, but I was in. Was it? Well, I can't remember. It must be no. Yeah, it was on Facebook and YouTube. So yeah, we did the whole awards. We had the awards. We had the nominees. What I really wanted to do, but I was concerned that stuff would leak out. I wanted the winners to pre-record a like you know thanks. Yeah. But I couldn't. I couldn't trust myself or or trust that it wouldn't leak out. 
Yeah. I thought that would be so good having the winners and then hi, you know, this is whoever. Thank you for voting for me, blah, blah, blah. And then on to the next one. But I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't have the faith. I just wouldn't, it just wouldn't leak out. <laughs> I wish I had now. Looking back, I wish I had. Maybe that's something we can do, do in the future. Um, do you want to be a good idea so, yeah. to do for like a awards? You know how you can have um, on like Streamyard, you have your different people across the thing. So obviously, have like yourself in the centre as the award nominee. You know the the person up for this is blah blah blah, and then have yeah. each like a uh, reaction cam, <laughs> and then obviously the winner then click on their video so that video comes big and centre. Well, obviously this time I, I didn't know about Streamyard back then. You know? So <laughs> I, I say I say back then, it's like twenty years ago. No, I didn't know about Streamyard then. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's definitely something. You know, if I do it again, I don't know if I would, but if I did it again, that'd be a pro. I think a really cool thing to do. Yeah. So we bring them all in, and then the next song we play, as the next song we play, we bring in the other the other people. Um, but yeah, maybe that's that is something we could do. But like I said, it's been ten months now. Um, current, on well, what it's eleven months now, and we're gonna be. A year now, the end of March, and it's it's um, yeah, it's been a, a amazing. I mean, for all the stuff I've done, this is probably um, the longest I've stuck with one format of radio show. Yeah, um, and because it, because it, I enjoy doing I enjoy doing it so much, you know, and um, it's yeah, it's been great. Crazy, you know, it's, it's it's crazy to think of, you know. I mean, like myself, I started back in February, you know, with the podcast just before the whole lockdown stuff. And you look back, I mean, it's coming up towards a year now for me, and it, it's crazy to see because a lot of other, of you know, so many p- other people have been doing this as well for the same amount of time, like Linda Conway with Voice of a Woman. You know, she's just coming up towards her first year anniversary of doing the whole Voice of a Woman stuff, and. It's been a crazy year, and I've said this with plenty of other artists as well, is as horrible as 2020 has been, it's actually been really good in terms of connectivity because I've met so many new people through the likes of Zoom, through the different radio shows, through actually being involved with the music. You know, it, I found 2020 has actually been the most social I've ever been. I think you're right, and I think I don't think um, my show would have been the same had they not been locked down, had yeah. they not been closed venues or bars or, you know, and I think from the artist's point of view, and I said this again on my show and previously other, in other places, that I think for a lot of artists, lockdown has helped them connect and reach a whole new audience, including like stuff like our podcasts, our radio shows. And I think that without without this period of, of which will be looked back in history as being a period of time in, in this country and around the world. I think without that, um, many artists wouldn't have had the reach that they've, that they've had over the last sort of, almost 12 months. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's good what you've done. And the one thing that I genuinely enjoy is the whole live streaming of yourself, particularly with the heavy breathing. <laughs> that <laughs> that made it, yeah. And yeah, so... It, I, I enjoy because I live for interaction. Yeah. Um, I, if I just did the show and it was just me talking to a mic, um, I don't think I would have the same enthusiasm. Um, so it's the people like yourself, Linda, DC, you've got David, um, Renato, um, I don't know, Cars Country Crew on Twitch. Yeah. And then <coughs> I get the same people interacting on Twitter every week. So I've got Craig Brooks, Malcolm Hall, um, 
Sugartown Slim, you know, Hunter Lott, and um, many other people who, you know, it makes me, you know, it makes me feel good because yeah. I know I'm not talking into a vacuum. I know I'm not just talking to myself, and other people are actually listening. Look, look, if there's only even one person listening or two people listening, that wouldn't bother me because, um, again, as a presenter, I'm here to do a role. I'm exactly. there to present music, and, and I'm there to inform people. And I've always done radio the same. I've always done radio the same way. I mean, from when I did hospital radio, well, I probably wasn't when I did hospital radio, because that was a whole different experience. But um, I've always done radio the same as I do with my my game streaming. When I'm presenting myself, I present a show as if I'm talking to my best mate. Yeah, that's exactly. how I do it. So that's that's how I do my show. So I don't think of them as in listening I think of my mates listening Wait, that's you how, say, that's how I, are you saying that I'm not your best mate <gasps> oh, that's her <laughs> but you know what I mean you know, it's, yeah. that's how and that's what I've always give tips to, to new presenters that look, don't think about the bigger picture just think that you're there talking to your best mate talking to your mum talking to your dad and present the show like that because I always said when you present a radio show the stuff you say would you want your parents to hear it Exactly. And I think that gives you. I think that gives you the balance to what you should and what you shouldn't be saying on radio. And um, like I said I I love doing radio because I think the other thing about lockdown is that I didn't realise how antisocial I am because like nothing has really changed for me. I mean I'm still in work every day in the job I do, but generally I don't miss. I, I probably miss on the gigs. Yeah. I don't miss the pub. That's gone on true. I don't miss the pubs. I probably do miss gigs, but. I can't. I didn't realize how antisocial I was, but nothing. I'm not missing anything. You know what I mean? And yeah. the radio show, um, what I love about the radio show, it gives me an outlet. You know, I have ideas all week about stuff I want to talk about, or links I want to do, or yeah. um, music I want to play. And that Tuesday evening gives me an output for all the stuff in my head that I want to say, and and all this music I want to play. And it's, you know, I just I just love it because. It's one. It's I can really see it as a long term thing, you know. And I see this because I've done radio shows, and I find myself getting burned out really easily and really quickly. Yeah. The dance show is probably a prime example of doing it, but I felt I was getting to a plateau where I just wasn't enjoying it. I was just producing a show because that's what I said I do. I said I produce a show on a on a, on a Saturday evening. Yeah. Um, whereas with the country show, um, I like to think I'd like to think at least one person or one track. Uh, a week, I've given a little bit of education, or I've shown a spotlight on someone. Like, look at Bella Velma, for example. She emailed me um, on the Facebook page on Tuesday, so Tuesday afternoon. She emailed me, and I had that that in the playlist for Tuesday evening. Yeah. And now Bella's been in your podcast. She's been she's record a week over in ARC. Yeah. She's gone on Linda Conway's podcast. And that's just from one email, and that's why I live with this community, the UK country community at least, or the, the country community as general as a yeah. whole. Because, I mean, I'm not taking credit for finding there. Well, maybe I am, but um, that one email she sent to me, and that one snippet of a track I played, and that one track I played on the Tuesday suddenly generated this buzz where people are booking her for podcasts, people are making her a record of the week, you know, um, people are name checking her on on Twitter and on Facebook, and. I can't imagine. I can't imagine how she feels. Yeah. Because the no, track I played wasn't even, the track I played wasn't even the latest track. Um, and that, that, that's I can't exactly. imagine how she feels now. You know? 
Well, that, that's it exactly because the fact that, you know, you sent it in. We've, we've got a WhatsApp group that we've got between us presenters and some managers and where we just like throw ideas together, throw just random, just general chit chat and like, oh, what, what's linked to this idea? What's linked to that idea? And then you, you put in this fantastic vocal from, you know, Belle Velvet saying, you know, I found this artist, you know, what do you guys think? And it's like, wow. And I, straight away, I asked for, I asked for the link. I wanted to know who she was. I wanted to know what the song was called. And as soon as, as literally the second I clicked on that link, obviously having listened to the music, it was like message straight away. Do you want to come on the podcast? And she was last, you know, she was our last episode and it's absolutely fantastic being able to speak to a girl that's only 14. That's right, yeah, because she doesn't sing. She does not sing like she's fourteen. If you if you didn't know her and was listening to that track, I don't believe that anyone in the world would think she was fourteen. I, 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 she I said with, to she her, she thinks you're a depth. She thinks you're a depth and a and a. Um, There's power and grit in her voice that makes her sound like she's yeah. twenty two, like she's lived right, through yeah. experiences. Yeah, she sings with maturity. I think is the is the, is the phrase. And yeah, exactly. But yeah, but but she's not like I said. She's one of like artists who I found. And um, like Taylor Hughes, another prime example, um, who I randomly found, and, and she came on the show, and and you know we've we've had so many like live streams, and and I will admit there are some people I've never heard before, but I will give them the platform. I feel I feel that as a presenter and as the social media stuff is that I'm there to be a platform for people to perform or, or have their tracks played. Yeah. So yeah, like I said, I, I'm look, I'm really looking forward to. I mean. We, I've got this idea for another festival in March for the first the first birthday of the show, um, which I think we're going to do. But I'm I'm, trying, I'm going to try and be a, li- a bit less a little bit less stressed than I was the hell was last time. <laughs> it, it, it's great. I mean, you've been I've seen some things banding around that you want to do a festival, like a live in person gig kind of thing. Yeah, this still. Um, on, in the maybe column at the moment, but um, I've been involved with a festival. I don't want to really name on them because I, I don't want to go, going, yeah, I'm definitely doing this and it doesn't happen. But um, I've been involved with a festival as a DJ from 2013. Yeah. And it's a festival which is, is held in a particular part of Cardiff. I don't want to name it because it'd be really obvious otherwise. <laughs> um, uh, a particular part of uh, in in, um, in Wales. Did I just mention a city name then? What's that? Did I mention a city name then? Cardiff. Yeah, city. Yeah, we're, we'll cut that out. Cut that bit out. Oh, um, a, particular, a particular part of Wales, and they have a festival across the street. And they have like 13, 14 venues across the street, which all become stages. Um, they have outdoor stages. They have um, uh, street performers. It's a real, like, and it's almost like what we do on the show. They're all independent artists. Yeah. And... They, they all bring their own fan base and it's like across the whole weekend and it's rammed absolutely rammed yeah and I, I enjoy going as a punter because they've been artists who I've discovered through this festival that I've now followed on and on and on but as a DJ I've, I've done a couple of club nights for them and then um, 2019 last time I'd done I did the Silent Disco for a couple of years as well which is great <laughs> great fun amazing and I love Silent Discos and um, so I approached I approached um, a venue to talk about. We talked about Emma Stevens and to try and get a date for her in South Wales. So she's touring end of this year. Yeah, she doesn't have a Welsh date, 
So I spoke to a venue I'm quite pally with. Look, do you have room around these dates for an artist who can come? He's like, yeah, great. Um, got that sorted for Emma. And then um, I was chatting to her about the, the festival. I said, look, I'd really like to... Is, is there any place for me to create a curate a stage? Curate? I would curate? Yeah. To create a stage? Erect? To, no, it's, it's definitely... It, well, just to, to promote a stage, because I think there's a gap in the festival for having country and Americana. Yeah. Because there's like, obviously a lot of folk around there, a lot of indie, yeah. nothing specifically country or Americana. And so, look, I think I can get enough artists to cover a stage. I believe I can anyway. Yeah. So I sent out a tweet. Like, who would, I didn't even tag anyone. Like, who would be interested in maybe coming to South Wales? Originally, the idea was, which is still the idea, is I want to put on gigs myself. Not a festival, but like on yeah. a Friday night, having three artists. Play. Yeah. We're fortunate here in South Wales um, and Southwest. We've got like Bob Fitzgerald, Rosie Kale, uh, Caitlin May, Alaria Marid, um, Danny, Kelsey, Hicktown Breakout. Uh, there's the other people that have missed, but there's, there's a massive pool of artists just in South Wales and Southwest. Yeah, and that would be reasonable for me to bring them across to a, to a gig. Like I've had other people like, even further afield, like up in Sheffield, up in North England. I've even had someone like from really Texas message me on there. I'm like, <laughs> like I have no budget. Uh, sorry, I'd love you to come back. I got a zero budget. I don't even know what the budget is. I'm not I'm even not paying for you. If you can get yourself over here, then. <laughs> but what I'd like what I'd like to do though, I'd like to possibly. When we get back to some kind of normality, is piggyback onto people's tours. Yeah. So, we say, for example, you know, Kyle Elliott, for example, comes over to the UK, which I know he's planning to do at some point. I'd like to piggyback onto that. So, if he's going to be in like Bristol or something, or Bath or Devon, I'd like to piggyback where we bring him into into South Wales on on a you know a nearby night stuff like that. And I mean, I know I spoke to Jessica Lynn, and she's in Swansea. Um, she's in Swansea later. This year, maybe I don't think it'll be scheduled, but she's due to be in Swansea, and I'd love to possibly get her um, onto cutting the East Cardiff, either Cardiff or, or Newport around the same time. I don't think there's gonna be much much room there, but I'm gonna question one, her on I'll, this now because I've got her on Wednesday the tenth. I'm speaking to her then. Yeah, she's in she's in Swansea Pavilion um, on. I would say November, but it might not be. It might be moved to next year now. But she's definitely due to tour the UK and then and then Europe. But she's starting in the UK. But this is what I want to do. So I know like a lot of artists that want to come to the UK, so I'm gonna try and bring them to Cardiff and then but like I said I've got no idea on budgets or or the logistics of it all. I, I mean the last time I promoted a club a, a night was a club night. So all I needed was a set of a set of turntables and three DJs. That's all I needed. I didn't need a sound engineer. I didn't need um, anything else. What I'm hoping is that we can build up Again, looking back to that spring festival, I want to build up the the brand, the rest of the 20 country, to have the credibility to be able to yeah. promote nights. Because um, I think we've got a real pool of talent. And if we can do that, well, also what I want to do, I want to piggyback onto other events. So we got the 11 till 12 slot on the Tuesday after the show. All right. And what I'd like to, what I'd like to do is... Um, piggyback onto other gigs. So say for example, a huge Harry Rose, for example, she's doing a gig in Sheffield in in May, I think it is. Yeah. I'd like to get the show recorded 
and then played the live, played a live recording on the show. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. FBI, so that's what I want to do. I want, I want, I'm hoping that we get to the point where artists feel comfortable and when they record their show to send me a copy so we can like, put the spotlight on live music at the end of the show. Cause I think it'd be, I think it'd be a real nice touch to have me for the two hours. And then from 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock, which is like a real sort of niche sort of time, um, that 11 o'clock slot. I think it'd be great to have live music because to have, to have, to have that live recording. I mean, I've spoken to DC Brown about his recordings. So we've used like his recording of Lucy Blue recently. Um, Amelia Quinn's gig, I think we played as well. Yeah. And when you hear it, when you hear, I, I listen to the show on headphones when, when I'm done and I just miss that live crowd atmosphere. Yeah. Even, even just someone talking rubbish, like the other side of the mic, you know, just talking to their mate, but I miss that ambience and that atmosphere of, of a live gig. And I think to be able to put on one, put on gigs ourselves here in South Wales, but also, um, what I'd love to do, because obviously we're sponsored by Puzzle Maker Studios at the moment. Yeah. And what I've wanted to do from day one of our sponsorship is do something at the studios, have an intimate gig with like Danny in front of like 20 people, a bit of a Q&A. Yeah. I think that would make a really great recording. Yeah. Um, like do an acoustic set, have a Q&A with him, like like we're talking now, play some more music but in front of like I don't know, 30 people, 20 people, 30 people, I think they're yeah. a real sort of intimate like... Carl like, Kendrick in sessions. It's exactly that. It was going to be SW20 Country Sessions. That's exactly what it's going to be. And I've not been able to do it, but it's always there. I've got ideas. I've got ideas in every single pocket. I'm like, you know, I just got stuff I want to do, which I can't do right now because of, because of COVID and all the, uh, all the, all the restrictions. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm off to that gig with Harriet Rose on the 1st of May at Record Junkie in Sheffield. And I've already asked her this, and I still hope it goes ahead. And me and Linda Conway are doing this together is we're going to try and do like a live on-the-set podcast. So well, it won't be a live, live podcast, but it'll be a pre it'll be a recorded podcast. But actually in person where we can actually hold a microphone and talk to each other. And I'm really excited to even have the idea of doing that because we've been can stuck... Imagine, can, you, can you imagine that being actually closer than two metres from someone? I know. <laughs> well, that, that, that's it. That, that's a crazy... Well, we'll still be... You know, there'll still have to be social distancing involved because obviously it'll be so close but we've got all be basically mic- having one of those, one of those mics in a boom on like you on the news <laughs> a mile away asking, asking questions the great thing is the uh, recording software I've got well I've got like a handheld like recorder thing which is battery powered and it'll, it can hold two mics so I'll just give her a mic and then I'll have a mic and then when Linda wants to ask some questions I'll just chuck the mic at Linda and here you go your That'd turn be cool. I mean but I think I think in general that's, that's what that's what that's I'm what I want to do with because when we go back to the festival that's one of the ideas I had for the festival yeah because um, I've spoke to um, the ownership of SW20 Radio I'm hoping to be able to get them involved maybe like an outside broadcast or something yeah and what I really, what I'd really love to do is um, <clears throat> is play like snippets of the festival and then in between that I'm thinking like Glastonbury having artists coming into like a, a their room somewhere. Of artists coming in just having a chat about you know about them and, and what they're doing and how they felt this, you know how the set went and all that kind of stuff in in between yeah um, because I think you right I think a live record I mean Zoom is great obviously you still have some kind of face to face but I think a live record a live recording is is better because you can you can, you can feel a bit more spontaneous to to the whole thing and it doesn't feel like you're waiting to to cut in 
you can you know it can be a, a bet it can be a conversation it can, it can be a proper proper exactly. conversation so, so yeah hopefully that'll be hopefully that'll, that'll happen for you and that'll be that'll be good but I think in general um, just being able to go to a live gig not worrying about social distancing oh, you know yes. and, you know it's going to be I, I posted on my on my social media the other day like the first time Mr. Brightside plays it's going to be <laughs> biblical and it, it, you know but that's, that's what it's going to be like and you yeah. when all goes back to some kind of normal, whenever that is. I mean, hopefully, before November, I'm booked to go book go back into my fortieth. But um, it's fortieth. Uh, you mean twentieth? Yeah, I wish. Yeah, my twentieth anniversary would be in twenty. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be. It's just go back to normal would be, would be brilliant. But it's like I say, it's um, in terms of in terms of the show, it's it's. I'm hoping, like, once we get back to live music, I think it's going to add a little bit of something I don't know what but something something to the show yeah so what exciting things have you got planned for the very near future you know up until like say March for you obviously up well, to your up to your year anniversary yeah so we've got the um, so we've got the the, the festival hopefully going to happen the 20th 20th of March um, I really want to get the YouTube channel I mean I've really neglected the, the S20 YouTube channel S20 YouTube channel for for some time so I want to get back to getting some content on that. I'm not sure what yet. Um, we've obviously got my my other podcast, which is what I'm doing. It's probably the the um, probably the the biggest thing I'm doing outside the radio is, is the podcast, yeah. and that's been going great. It's um, I've had some. We've recorded four episodes so far. I've done two this weekend, and um, it's been really good. I mean, the, the guest. I mean, my first guest, my brother. And we chatted about like the eighties, nineties rave scene. Yeah, um, we chatted about all his, his experiences around that, and the stories I'm not even my own brother, and the stories I'm not even, I wasn't even aware of. Um, <laughs> I just remember I've, edit, I've edited so much out of it as well. Really, and I've I remember just how I was just howling. And my brother's got a great, he's got a great delivery. And he's yeah, got, he tells a story. He tells a story brilliantly, and for me. I've been thinking about doing podcasts for I don't know how long. It's it's been something I want to do for for probably two years, but I've never had I've never had anything. I think to do a podcast like yourself. I think to do a podcast, you have to be passionate about the subject. Yeah, and otherwise, you would just be a, a monotone voice just talking rubbish for however long. Of course, yeah. And I think I, I think having my brother as a first guest sort of broke the ice for me. Yeah, in terms of podcast, because I've done obviously I've done interviews for the show, as we spoke about earlier. I've always squeezed squeezed them in into fifteen minutes, and I wanted to do something similar, not particularly music based, but something extended, and where it was just a real deep dive into into someone's life and career or whatever the, the topic is. So we have a brother, so you're talking about the eighties, nineties rave scene, um, him being. Um, his experiences around DJing and all that kind of stuff and touring. Then we had uh, a guy by the name Naz Max, and he, own, he owns a a fitness company. He does like weight loss for men in their thirties. That's that kind of like private consultation kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yesterday I spoke to a content creator from the the FIFA game series. He got like hundred seventy thousand <laughs> subscribers on YouTube, and we chatted to him about. Lots of different things around FIFA and the game, and um, 
and responsibilities about gambling from EA Sports and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I've saw a tonight, lot of his tweets on that recently. Yeah, so, you know, and that was great because, again, I appreciate that. This is a guy who's like 24-7 uploading, editing, making videos on YouTube, and he was happy to spend like an hour with me. And it was great because, I mean, I've, I know I know John. I go back to knowing John from memory. I, I followed him on YouTube when he had like a small amount of followers to play what he got now. And and I've enjoyed watching his journey. So it was great to sit down with him and, and to hear his views, extended views on, on different topics, especially the EA thing and, and FIFA. And yeah. tonight I spoke to um, a guy by the name of Mark Wallace. He runs, he hosts his own podcast called The Broken Veteran Podcast. And he's an army, he's ex-military like myself. And um, we spoke about his career, about when he was he was in the Middle East and in Northern Ireland and his transition from being in military into civilian life and, and all that kind of stuff. And we spoke about mental health, which is what his podcast is about, yeah. especially those in the ex-forces, which is great. But then coming up, we've still got some great guests. We've got a, a hypnotist. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> Uh, it's not like Paul McKenna. Um, it's, oh, he's, he is, he's, he is, um, he promotes himself as the number one fear hypnotist or fear strategist or hypnotist. Basically, he like, works with people who are like, scared of flying and, yeah. or want to quit somewhere. He's like, being, apparently, he's the number one. He's treating like, like 5,000, 6,000 patients. And um, I'm really looking forward to speaking to him. My brother said to me, I said to my brother, he's all, get the hypnotize you on the podcast. But I'm like, no. <laughs> you need to, that'd be brilliant to listen to. That's great content. You need content for your YouTube. Oh, uh, yeah. SW20 right, yeah. gets but, hypnotized. Me talking like a chicken or something. Um, <laughs> oh, donkey. Then we've also, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and then we've got a lady who um, is an author, or an author of, um, some books like Women Empowerment, but she empowerment empowerment. It's not Fifty Shades of Grey, is it? No, no, no. But she escaped from a cult. Oh, really? Uh, so that is going to be another interesting stuff. We've got a guy who has toured the UK as a bassist for like like supporting like massive like rock bands around the country. Okay. So so there's nothing music at all, mate. Like, but what I love is um, I I always like to think to myself I'd be great as a chat show chat show host. Yeah, and um, this is like my sort of way of of fulfilling that that dream and ambition is that um, similar to yourself, you literally just ask questions, just let the guests just waffle on. Um, and like I said, it it's I love hearing the stories. I love hearing like obviously some some guests will have stuff to promote or stuff to sell or stuff to push, but I love hearing the stories behind that. I love yeah. hearing how they how they've they've done the journey in their life to get to this point now to this, this moment to this the particular point I love having to hear like we spoke to, I spoke to Mark tonight and you know he mentioned they were in the Middle East when um, when 9-11 happened yeah so obviously they, they were the clo- one of the closest battalions companies to the Middle East where it might have kicked off and I was chatting to him about how they felt you know mentally and physically how they felt being that close to possibly the action and hearing this response and hearing how it affected different members of the, of, of the group I found it really insightful yeah. and that's what I love that's what I love about the whole thing is I love like getting 
the nitty gritty about stuff and and getting the emotions and getting the you know what they felt on that particular day or that particular moment or when this happened or when that happened and I said I I really I think I think it's a testament to the guest when you can happily listen back to it without skipping parts or, mm-hmm. or muting things and I've listened to the one my brother probably like three or four times because I still laugh. I still laugh. I find myself laughing with myself. <laughs> that, that, that's it, exactly. I mean, I'll, I'll listen back to my podcast for when I put it on the radio show because that's what my radio show is based around. It's based around the podcast and then having a catch-up chat. And I'll be sat editing it down because sometimes the podcasts can go for between an hour and three hours. And I'll still find myself laughing, particularly like little comedic little snippets and little off-the-cuff jokes that we'll have. And it, it, it does make you laugh. It does get you interested again. And it's that's what it's about. I mean, I, I just want to touch up quickly on the on the actual military side as well, because obviously he was in the RAF. Mm-hmm. How, can I just ask, how did that all start out for you? Right, so um, my father was in the army. Yeah. And he was in the, um, it was the Royal Corps, the Royal Corps, tran- Royal, the Royal Corps Transport. Then it, it's it's merged. It's now the Royal Logistics Corps. But um, so he was in the army. So from, uh, he left in. So I was born in November eighty one, and he left the following year. So just before the Falklands, so he missed the Falklands. He, just, he left just before the Falklands kicked off in eighty two. Um, so then I grew up. I think, I think you get you get heavily influenced by your family mm-hmm. and um, my father um, right up to the time he passed away I don't think I ever heard him swear ever yeah like so, so in 30, 38 years never heard my dad swear my dad was very much um, very much squared away you know he was always um, disciplined and all that kind of stuff and I still think I remember probably careers office coming, a careers officer coming to the school, probably probably twelve, thirteen, and I think I, I I lived in the valleys. I lived in the Welsh Valley, so in terms of employment, there isn't much happening. Yeah. There isn't much happening in general. Um, it's all very formal mining towns where they're no longer in pits. Unemployment is high, you know. Health health problems are high. It's yeah. very much. It's very much. It's. It's a bubble as well. There's not much happening, but everyone knows everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think quite early on, I was like, decided I've got to leave here. I need to get away from here. So there was two sort of there was two um, streams of thought I had on what I wanted to do. So one was military, and the other one was the the Royal College of Music and Arts in Cardiff. Because yeah. at this time, music so. Let me just skip back a little bit. So when I was 12... You wanted to be a um, ballet dancer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so when I was 12, I went to stay with my brother, Ray, who we just mentioned. Yeah. Um, up in St. Helens. And um, my brother at the time, he was organising an under-18s rave, legally, mm-hmm. under rave. So this is the first time I'd ever experienced music in that capacity. Like, it was just it was a leisure centre... Absolutely rammed. I'm, I'm talking like one in one out. It was absolutely rammed. Yeah, I remember seeing. I remember seeing him up there, DJing, and 
I remember looking around, and he's still looking at him like he's a god. It could have been Jesus, you know what I mean, you know, yeah. on, on the deck, you know what I mean? And I'm thinking, I want some of that. Yeah. I want, because I, I was at this time, so I was 12 year old. I wasn't an awkward 12 year old. Um, but I wasn't like, so in school, I wasn't like in the cool guy. Mm-hmm. Well, I wasn't in like the, I wasn't in like the nerds. You know, I was like somewhere in the middle. I was yeah. like, so just You're a floater. In the, in the, yeah, in the grey zone, like. And um, <laughs> I remember thinking, I remember seeing this and going, I'd love to do that. I remember making a mixtape on his, he had like a single turntable, like stereo. I made a mixtape, literally just loads of scratches, press and pause, more scratches, press and record, and that's how I did his mixtape. So, but then I started exploring music and I think, well, music has always been a massive part. My, my mother, I'm sort of skipping back for you. My mother That's was, a massive Michael Bolton, was a massive Michael Bolton fan. Yeah. Like huge. And I think Michael Bolton is ingrained into my conscience now because I, I, I like Michael Bolton, but my mother used to play like a Soul Provide album on repeat like day after day. It's like working in a factory on the same playlist on every day. Uh-huh. Michael, Michael Bolton, a Soul Provide album. I probably know every song, every lyric, and I can probably do it in my sleep. Yeah. So music, music. I'd always loved music, and and I've always found with music that um, it had the ability to to transport me somewhere else into whatever whatever I was playing. So music would be a big part of my life. So twelve thirteen now, um, I did not like my English teacher. My English teacher, and I think he's passed. I don't think the name is Mister Watkins. Me and him did not did not get on at all, and. I was looking for anything. I was looking for anything to do where I'd get myself very English. Yeah. So the school had just started music lessons, Um, like um, like uh, instrument lessons, you know, that kind of music lesson. Yeah. So I wanted to to speak to the to the guy, like, and he's like, "Oh, I do brass instruments." I was like, "Hey, what what's that?" So I was like, "Oh, I've got a trumpet. Try that. Didn't like that. Um, We got some other stuff. Anyway, got the trombone, and I found suddenly that trombone was instrument I could play." So I'd done quite well in my grades. I can't remember. What, I think I was getting like grade, I don't know, four or five or something on the trombone. Oh, managed to schedule, managed to, I managed to schedule all my, my, this tells you what the school was like. I managed to schedule all my trombone lessons when I had English. And no one, no one ever said anything to me. No one, no one ever picked up the fact I had gone English for about 12 months. That's I, brilliant. Like, but I, think, I, think, I don't think I went for like a whole term apart yeah. from like the first couple of lessons. I just managed to schedule my music lesson every week at the same time. Go on, what was no your... mention it, What What was your O-level in English? What did you get? Um, well, GCSEs, I'm not old. Um, <laughs> uh, I got... Um, so my GCSEs, I got... Oh, this, this is a story in itself. So so I got... I got C's and D's. I think I got C's in English, Math, Science, right? Yeah. The other four subjects I did was history... Computer design, technology, music, and IT. So music now. So year nine we're talking now. So that would have been around twelve, thirteen. Yeah, so about thirteen. So year nine, taking took music, mm-hmm. and this was my first sort of in-depth experience of music. And in the the makeup, the composition. I mean, we we um, one of our our pieces, UCC pieces, was Vivaldi's Four Seasons. Four Seasons. I still love that track. Yeah, I still, I still quite to listen to that track now and again. I love the whole, the whole piece. And so this is my first sort of um, experience of music and, and the breakdown and, and what it all is in all different parts and bass instruments and and, and and the different parts of 
of what makes up an orchestra and this kind of stuff. Yeah. So obviously with the trombone stuff as well, I was really getting into music. So I, so I did pretty well in music. But then before I come back to music part, IT, I was brilliant in IT. And so in IT, we had all these different projects for our GCSE coursework. And I'll never forget these two names I'm going to mention next. I had Tina, <clears throat> Tina Norris to my left, Peter Vianney to my right. The whole two years, I helped them do their coursework, right? Why they both I... got Bs. They, they got, both Bs. got Bs. I, I got a C. Why does that feel like it's going to be like a Steelers Wheelers kind of song there? <laughs> Tina to the yeah. left of me. Oh, it was... Um, yeah, so pretty much I did the entire coursework and my coursework across two years. And um, they both got better grades than me. I, I was like, I was fuming. But going back to the music thing. So yeah, so Creed's office come in. So then I was enjoying the trombone stuff. And so I, I thought I could do that at quite a decent level. So yeah. the idea was either maybe the military as a musician, yeah. a military band, um, or um, the Royal School of performing, I can't remember, it's the one in, it's the one in Cardiff, it's the Royal School of, of Music and Drama, I think, it's it's, it's a big one in Cardiff, and yeah. so it was, that, that was that. So I knew what I needed for the for the college, um, and I was really, so I was probably, probably 60, 40 to, towards that, and then I had the opportunity to, I was, I think my music teacher, he was involved with like the South Wales Youth Orchestra or something. All right. One day, because oh, do you fancy come along the weekend to, uh, you know, taking a look? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. What, why not? Like, I've not been. I've always played like solos and, and stuff in the in the school. You know, I played like over the rainbow and I stood for on on the stage on a trombone. Yeah, which I, looking back, pretty sounded absolutely terrible. <laughs> not me playing that kind of music. Um, so so I went to this thing. I remember being there for an hour. I went, I can't be here. I was surrounded by. I was surrounded by people who like had second holiday homes in Florida. Really, I'm a, I'm rich a, people. I'm like a, yeah, I'm like a kid from the valley. You know what I mean? I had nothing. I had like my trainers were like Airtech four stripes, and yeah. I had you know I had the hand me downs, and, and I thought this ain't for me. This is not the life for me. I don't want to, like I'm like I can't fit in here. For those so that, for those that do don't that. know, for those that don't know, Airtech four stripes is basically a knockoff brand of Adidas that has three stripes. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So I had air tech, um, probably the equivalent of like a little, little special now. But um, yeah, so, <laughs> so yeah. I, went, I, I suddenly, I suddenly felt like an orchestra wasn't for, wasn't for me. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be happy doing that. So then suddenly, I've got I've drifted from, gone from wanting to join an orchestra to back to the military side now. All right. So I, I let my dad, I let my dad know, and um, he's like, "Yeah, you want to join the RAF." Like why? So like I spent all my life listening to his stories about the army, about being in Cyprus when the when the, when the civil war was over there with, with the Turks, and being in Rhodesia, which became Zimbabwe, and all these fantastic stories about his, his travels around the world and, and where he'd been Northern Ireland and, and and whatnot. Yeah. And suddenly, like he suddenly like he's like, no, you don't want to join the army. And I, but but so I want to do that. You in the army? I want to be in the army. He's like, no, you want to join the army? If you get a better life. So I went down to the careers office in Cardiff and um, I spoke to like all the services down the Navy, the Army, the RAF. Now I spoke to them all. I didn't really have a clue what I wanted to do. I just, I just knew I wanted to leave Wales. I just knew I wanted to get out of the valleys. I didn't care what particularly I wanted to do. Yeah. No longer obviously going to be no longer obviously going to be a musician, but so I'd have to be a trade of some description. So um, 
I went down there. We were supposed to do more. And like the RAF were like, yeah, you know, come, you play, oh, you play rugby? Yeah, like, yeah, I play rugby. Yeah, come join us. We have a rugby team. You know, you can, you can do all this and stuff. So the army, though, was still really appealing to me. I like, quite like, I think my character back then, my personality suited the army, mm-hmm. suited their core values and suited how they work and how they Being do their stuff. Yeah, I think, I think so, yeah. So, but then, so I was 16 now. And so this would have been um, January 98. And so I was 16. So now I had the choice now. I either wait two years from 18 to join the army anyway, regardless of what my dad thinks, mm-hmm. or I sign up for the RAF and I join like now this year. Yeah. So I, so I, so I, I so I'm denied about the best you do as a 16 year old, you know? And so I thought, right, you know what? If I join the RAF now, I'm out. I'm, I'm out with this place. I'm done. I can just go wherever I want in the world. And I don't have to come back to the valleys. So I did that. So I, I signed the dotted line. They got me to do an aptitude test, along with like 30 other ones. So we're doing this this multi-choice question, and I remember getting this question. And remember, I'm 16 now. Not really got much life experience or anything. Yeah. Um, the question was. What is the green and yellow wire in a plug? Do you know what the green and yellow wire in a plug is? Is the earth wire? Yeah, it is the earth wire. Why do you know this? Like, so as I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, I think I put the wrong answer down. But the, the, um, the, the RAF guy who was there, I can't remember if he was a sergeant or what. He came over my shoulder, and maybe he, he taps the the answer for earth wire. Mm-hmm. So I think, oh, maybe I should try cross it out. We've done it all right. Anyway, long story short, do you know what career I joined the RAF as? What? Not a sparky. Uh, aircraft, aircraft electrician. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> he, he couldn't even wire a plug. I couldn't even wire a plug, you know, right? So I joined as an aircraft electrician. So um, I had a phone call then in the July. Going, hi, Carl. Yeah, we've got to place you next week. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Great. So I'm telling everyone. Obviously, it's a day for mobile phones. So I'm ringing around everyone. And um, I've told everyone, all the family, told mates, and they got a phone call like, oh, yeah, sorry, mate, there's been a misunderstanding. That place is already gone. <gasps> no. Oh, oh, great. So so when am I going to join? Oh, we don't know. Anyway, my father, all due to him, all due credit, he rings up the, the office, he'll look, you know, he rang him up, told him his course, with basic training, and suddenly now he's not. So what can you do? Yeah. They give me a, they give me a date for November. It just happened to be Remembrance Day. Like 11th, so 11th of November, 1998. Or I remember being told it was Ray Poppy. I have no idea why I'm wearing a poppy. I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. I do know where you get poppy from. That's looking at me like I'm stupid. <laughs> I, go, I don't know why. So um, I remember jumping on a train in Cardiff. I had this bag, uh, bag of clothes. And I jumped off the, sh- the in all the shot uh, for the uh, for the stop. I remember being, I saw my name. I it's Carl Kendrick. Don't even know your first name. All right, well, it's a, uh, Kendrick, okay. Um, oh, Kendrick, great, we've got a job for you. I'm 16 now, going, what the hell? <laughs> what, what What? am I going to do? And yeah. it turns out, it turns out on the same day, there was a, a muck Kendrick as well. That's oh, who they no. laughed at, not me. So thankfully, they finally realised that. But um, but yeah, so I'm 16 now. I also, I left my I left my CD player on the, on the train. That That's so a nightmare in itself. So I had a CD player, all his music on. I had like I think I was listening to the Armageddon soundtrack of one of and Pink Floyd. I think we were my listening. To, but I left it all on the train. It was a brand new CD player my my old man had bought me. Yeah. A Walkman like and 
I didn't tell him. Uh, I skipped fast forward a few weeks. When I got my first pay, I bought a new. I bought a new one exactly the same. <laughs> just in case. Just so you didn't, so didn't know I lost the other one. So yeah, so basic training now, and um, and yeah, it was, it was difficult, you know, because I was sixteen. Yeah, uh, I spoke faster than I do now. I was the youngest by a, like a, a a large like these were men. They were all men, like like twenty. 25, you know, 13 of me as a 16 year old, yeah. no life experience. And, um, yeah, it was difficult. I, I did feel homesick, but I think the reason I didn't go home was that I had this, this drive in me that I said, look, I left Wales. I left the valleys. I ain't going back. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care how bad it gets. How you know, cause I wasn't bullied, but I was definitely, I was definitely, if you had the group there, I was definitely on the outside. Yeah. Like over there somewhere, you know what I mean? That's how I felt. The black sheep of nothing. the... Uh... Oh, yeah, definitely. Nice, nice reference for the Welshman, but um, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was, Not intentional. It, was, it was that. Because we all, we were all... I was an electrician, but then there were groups of like aircraft mechanics, there were a group of firemen, there were group, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, so I was felt on the outside, but I thought there's nothing, there's nothing which would be that bad which would make me jump on a train and go back to back to South Wales. I went. I went at me. That was not going to happen. And I. I was. That's what drove me through. But I injured my. I injured my back about. Um, about five days before the end of basic training, so I got sent back all the way back to the beginning. So in the end, my seven week basic training course ended up being like, fifteen weeks or something. Yeah. So it was a long old time. But the second time, I found it much easier because I suddenly now I was the guy who had already done it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. Suddenly, I became a, 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 a fountain of information. Oh, oh, what do you do here? How do you do this? And how do you do that? So suddenly, I'd gone from being on the outside to being a core, a core member of the group. So me injuring my back was probably one of the best things that happened to me in basic training because I suddenly I was now in the fold as such. Mm-hmm. So um, we did basic training, and then I did do trade training, which was 18 months. Where you actually no, learn about being a Sparky. Where yeah, the wires so go in a plug. Yeah, we, yeah, we're screening the L wire. Yeah, so um, that was in that was near Birmingham. That was uh, a place called RAF Cosford. Yeah, and um, did all the training, did all got all the training done, and you get to the point in near the end of the training where you get a wish list, and the wish list is where do you want to be based. Mm-hmm. So this was now we're now looking, um, so it's been two thousand somewhere in the year two thousand and. Um, yeah, it'd been early 2000. And I remember looking at a map, so with this massive wall map in the one of the coffee rooms. And I was like, everyone at the time was putting down, there was Bruggen, which was a base in Germany. Yeah. So I was like, everyone wanted to go to Germany. There was another base called Warrington, which is in East Anglia. Everyone wanted to go to Warrington, mm-hmm. Norton, all the really big bases, really desirable bases. But basically, you had three, you had to put down a wish list of three stations where you want to be. So the idea is obviously, you don't get a first, you get a second. Or third, if not, it's you a random one. Yeah. So I was looking now, going right. So I was trying to weigh up. So look at this wall map. So there's Wales, so probably like knee height. <laughs> I was like, right, how far can I get away from Wales but still be in the country? Yeah. And how far can I be away from Wales and put someone down that nowhere else wants to go? So I'm looking at this wall map, and right above my head, probably like, I don't know, seven and a half foot up, up the wall, to right tip this thing. There's like these two little dots. Yeah. All right. So I'm looking at the book of numbers. I'm looking, I'm looking down at list of numbers. Like Kinloss, Lossy Mouth. 
yeah. right on the north tip of next to the Mori Firth, right on the top of Scotland. Yeah. I, I then look up. So like I look up these two bases now. So so Lossy Mouth is tornadoes like fast jets. Yeah. And then Kinloss with Nimrods, which are like quite big aircraft. Um, they do like search and rescue and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I had to look at both. And I thought, my I don't really trust myself with fast jets. I always have this vision of hitting the eject seat on the ground and just being flying off into space. So I didn't fancy that at all. So I thought about Kinloss. I thought nobody wants to go Kinloss unless you live in the area. So it sort of it made my odds a bit better in my favour. Yeah. Nobody wants to go Scotland. So um, yeah, so I got it. So I got this this base this post in Kinloss. It was me and two of the boys on my course. I remember we left Cosford, so we got into Wolverhampton, and we had all these bags, which we've you know stuff we've acquired over the last twelve months. And there's like basically three of us. Every platform we jumped off, one of us be outside, one of us be on the door, one of us be inside. And it would literally be like a conveyor belt of bags until there's a pile of bags outside, and I repeat then onto the next train. So we get we get up to Kinloss, and I spent four great years at Kinloss. Yeah. And one thing I loved about being up there is that they had proper seasons. It was freezing cold in the winter, beautiful in the summer, nice in the autumn and spring. Yeah. But as an eighteen, as a I started being well eight. I'd have been 19, 19 or 18 going to 19 one of the things that really confused me the most was going clubbing as an 18 year old in the summer in North Scotland so you go into a club at 9 o'clock it's bright sunshine yeah. you come out at 3 o'clock in the morning it's bright sunshine because there's like, like the way it all works up there and, and it used to just blow my mind especially on a night shift I think ah oh, sun's up it's got to be time to go home now look you watch this 3 o'clock in the morning it's still like 4 hours to go yeah. it's um, but it's if anyone listening lives up away, Findorn, Kinloss, beautiful part of of the world. In fact, Mal McWatt is from Elgin, which is just down just down the road from that. And um, from Kinloss, I went back for further training in Cosford. Then we ended up in Bryce Norton. Then um, I was with my my first wife, which is a whole story in itself. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so Bryce Norton was where I really started to sort of experience the RAF. I thought it'd be so. That's where the, uh, isn't that where the Chinooks are? Up at Bryce uh, Norton? No, they're in Odium. They're in Odium. So in at Bryce Norton, we had the TriStars and the VC10s and the C17. So I worked yeah. on the TriStars. So that's basically a, a, primarily a troop transporter and cargo mm-hmm. transporter. This was really where I started experiencing the RAF that. I thought I'd experience like four or five years before so I started seeing the world. In those four years I was there, five years I was there, um, I think I went to like some like 40 countries around the world, literally oh, wow. from the far west coast of America, up and down to New Mexico, up to Canada, to South America, the Falklands, to the, to the Ascension Islands, to most of Africa, most of Europe, Middle East, of course. And I, I loved it. I mean, one of the things I used to love doing is trying to see places the real place so like for example South Africa is a prime example so we were in South Africa and we were staying in this hotel like a five star hotel on the golf on a uh, cricket ground I can't remember which one it was Yeah. but I went for a wander I went for a wander just down the road just to take a look what's happening I must have gone I don't know 100 metres 200 metres and I was in a get, like, pretty much ghetto market and <laughs> I was told afterwards how dangerous I'd been but I was, fasc- I was fascinated how the wealth Went off a cliff. Yeah. I was in this like this proper like posh area, and then straight suddenly, into poverty. Straight, it's literally what is even what's even a blend? It's literally like gone off a cliff. It yeah. was it was ridiculous. And then Djibouti, another place in Africa where the kids had nothing, 
but they still remain the happiest kids I've ever seen anywhere in my life. We had a football with us. I don't know where it came from. Yeah. But we had a football with us. And it was like, it was like uh, Pied Piper. Suddenly we were like 50 kids around us all playing football. Ah, oh, Ronaldo or whoever was the, whoever, <laughs> no, sorry, it was, whoever the, whoever the player at the time was. And um, it was brilliant. It yeah. was mental, but it, it, was, it was brilliant. Or Kenya, I tell my son recently about Kenya and seeing African grey parrots flying around like pigeons. Yeah. You know? And it, I, I'll always treasure those. I mean, the 10 years in RAF and I've got memories from all parts of the world and, you know, it was great. But it came to a point where me and my ex-wife split up and um, it was, I get to the point I was ending this, my contract was coming to an end and it was down to the decision. Well, I think what drove the decision was I got diagnosed with type 2 diabetes mm-hmm. and um, I was suddenly told that I couldn't go to Iraq anymore or Afghanistan or um, any of the other places I've been going to quite regularly. But I could go to Dubai. I could go to Vegas. I could go to Florida. I could go to New York. <laughs> I'm like, Why would I know I want to leave if that was me. No, no, it's not that. I know that if it had been, if it had been one of my mates who suddenly can't go to Iraq or Afghanistan, and I was doing like my third trip that year, and they was off to Dubai or Vegas yeah. or Florida, I know what I'd be saying. Yeah. I know exactly what I'd be saying. You know what I mean? It's, you wouldn't think you think it's not. It's, you know, it's unfair, but um. So I was like, well, I don't want to do that. So I, I put in my, my form to to leave. And I wish I hadn't. I wish I'd waited. I waited two years. I would have had a, a lump sum payment, a better pension. But I was so hot-headed and so in the moment that I was, like, raging against the system and yeah. the whole thing. Oh, you do. It really, it, really, it really disappointed me because I was, like, diabetic on tablets. I wasn't on insulin. I didn't have a heart condition. I didn't have... I didn't have organ problems yeah it was manageable I was just fat I was just fat I was just diabetic it was was I was just overweight I was diabetes but it was controlled yeah Um, so but I was so I was so then I was I I was with another girlfriend then and I think that kind of swayed swayed the decision to leave a little bit early in fact I ended up in Leeds I ended up in Pudsey yeah um, where I left and um, but then when I left I don't think, I, well, I know I wasn't prepared. When I'd left that bubble of the armed forces, um, suddenly I had to pay council tax, war rates, yeah. gas rates. Civvy street I had to stuff. pay. I had to pay like income tax, like a proper income tax and proper national insurance. And I'm like, why is all this money being taken off? Why is all this money being taken off me? I had to buy my own food. Yeah. I had to pay for my own rent. You know, this is, it sounds like trivial to most people, but this is stuff I'd never done. Yeah. I'd left, I'd left, my house is 16, never paid any rent. Been in the RAF for 10 years. I paid, obviously, accommodation of food like once like on payday. Never bothered anymore for the rest of the month. And suddenly, I got to pay, my, well, I got to look after myself. Yeah. And um, it, was, it was a difficult period of time. And I, then, my father's health took a turn for the worse. Um, it took a turn for the worse like, about three years before that. He'd been diagnosed with kidney failure and he's on dialysis and stuff. So I thought, yeah. like, I'll move back to Wales. That's probably the only reason I moved back to Wales because I thought I'd move back and I'd give him a lift. But I remember being sat back in the valleys. So um, probably almost 10 years to the day I left, thinking, yeah. what am I doing here? Yeah. Why Why am I – I remember looking out the window. So it was a miserable day, looking over the valleys and thinking, why – why did I come back here? 
And um, it was, yeah, it was a difficult time because it was really hard to readjust from. It probably took me, well, I don't know, I, was, I had a job as a security guard, which I left because I just couldn't afford it because the, the wage was terrible to the point where I couldn't afford travel because yeah. the, the travel, petrol cost, and, and it just wasn't happening. So um, I left that job and I was, suddenly I was unemployed. And I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, being unemployed. I was unemployed for, for six months. So I'd applied for everything. I, the first couple of months, I applied for jobs which I qualified for, so a lot of engineering stuff. Yeah. Um, second two months, I was applying for all the jobs I thought I could do. Last two months, I literally going to the job centre, printing off everything, <laughs> applying for everything. And yeah. I think I had, I think I applied for like 95 jobs. And I had 95 jobs. I had three letters of rejection and nothing else. Really? No interviews. That, that's what I, frustrates I'm, me as well, though, is the fact that, you know, they're quick to just blank you. You know, don't, don't oh. even respond. It was it was ridiculous, but anyway, in this period, um, I started going on dating websites. No, why? I just did. I felt pretty bored, um, and um, I ended up meeting my wife uh, on on this. But so now, so we, what's, I'll never ever forget, or I'll never understand why. But so when we first met, um, we'd been talking on Facebook, you know, drop messages back and forth, and um, we finally decided to meet in person. Yeah, I feel like not the next logical step. So she met me at the train station. So I was skint. Uh, I literally probably didn't have 20 quid in my name, right? I was unemployed. I didn't have a car. I did. I used to have a car, but it didn't, it'd been... <laughs> I did have a car, but I didn't have any insurance. So when the All police right. pulled up behind me, I lost said car. And <laughs> I got like eight points on my license and a nice little fine on top. So I didn't have a car. I'd been... I had eight points on my license. I was skint. I was unemployed. And, and I learned later that she had the option of either meeting me or policeman. So I still don't know to this day why she decided to, to rock up. Anyway, she rocks up and we go to the cinema and we watched um, Couples Retreat yeah. in the film at the time. And a cinema, by the way, for anyone, is the worst first date ever because you don't actually talk to each other, do you? You no. just sit there in the dark. But I remember saying to her, we got to our seats and you're the pre-picker seat. So we sat down. I said, oh, look, we should go in the middle. She said, oh, I can't go in the middle. I said, no one checks. So we went in the middle and someone checked. To, to <laughs> Typical. So, so oh, we had to move back. So, so now, I think, now I'm skint, unemployed. I give really bad advice in the cinema. Right? This is the best thing, right? <laughs> this is the, the, the icing on the cake of this particular date. Get to the train station. I missed the last train. No. Right? So I lived no. like 20 miles from Cardiff. And she's like, I'll just drop you home. So she literally just met me like three hours ago. Oh, bless it. Oh. She, she drives me home with no idea. I'm not going to be a serial killer. You know what I mean? She drives, she drives me home. Um, and then I literally, she, and she'll always, she'll always remind me, she's gone for a kiss on the doorstep. I pretty much just give her my cheek. Oh, you're, <laughs> you're that person that goes, no. <laughs> I was like, I didn't do that. She you did. And I can't remember doing that. She I really had to fight to get a kiss. I'd be like, I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't really know. Well, I don't know. I didn't know what to do. I, I, I haven't dated, you know, for <laughs> years. Like, you know what I mean? And, yeah. anyway, so oh, anyway, we brilliant. had a second date, a fourth date, and finally, um, obviously, we we be married for, we be married for, quick maths, eight years this year now. Yeah. So, uh, and we obviously got the two boys, but yeah, so it's been, um, yeah, so the way I, 
where I'm coming from, the way I see the RAF is me before the RAF, me after the RAF, and two different people. Yeah, it's very much. It's very much. I always, I always, um, I always, uh, what's I always associate with the film Sliding Doors. Mm-hmm. Love with, that film. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. She Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, I think it was Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, on the uh, train. Yeah, so sliding doors. So the idea is is that one of her catches a train, one of her doesn't, mm-hmm. and the two different. And that's how I, that's how I see that's how I see myself. I see myself the me who stayed in the RAF. I look at some. I look on LinkedIn now. I see some of my former colleagues and how they've progressed and where they are in their life. And then I think, yeah, that's great. But then I would have met my wife, probably one of the two boys I have. You know, my yeah. two boys, and I'm happy with that. I'm content. You know, it's, it's, I'm happy that, like, I don't believe in fate and I believe in consequences. I believe that everything's a consequence of a choice you've made. Some, some point in your life, you made a choice and that takes you down a different, a different fork. I don't believe in fate. I think if fate was real, it'd be really boring that your life is, is predefined for you. So I believe in consequences of choices. And I think that consequence of me leaving, leaving the RAF and everything that followed after it, has led me to you know to where to where I am now, and I'm very, I'm very. Um, oh, I can't think of the word I'm thinking of now. It's, it's. I know I'm more conscious of those choices I make, and yeah. stuff I do. Even though I do slow ideas, which I just run with, um, I'm more conscious of the effect and the choices I make with the people around me. So yeah, yeah. No, I'm not, Respon- I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Responsible. What, I'm not quite sure what I was going from. Uh, well, I'd like to think I'm always. I'm, I'd like to think I'm more responsible. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been a you know, last. I mean, I left the RF in two thousand and eight. The last twelve years has been a it's been a completely different me. I mean, I got, I got a beard a beard for a start. So uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been a, it's been a good good ride so far. I mean, I, I I always wanted to join the RF myself, and I used to be in the air cadets from the moment that I could to the moment that I couldn't. Are you what? one of those people? Are you? I was one of those people. <laughs> But um, it got to the point where I, I had to leave the RAF because I started working full-time. Uh, not the RAF, the Air Cadets. Um, because I started working full-time, so I just couldn't commit the time. And I got up to Sergeant, and there was so much more I wanted to do. And they were, like, they were so desperate to keep me because they were like, oh, we'll make you into a cadet warrant. We'll make you into, um, you know, come start. And, yeah, it's, it's one of the decisions I kind of regret is not pushing and pushing and pushing. But I remember being told by a careers officer at one of the uh, University of Leeds careers days, and they yeah. turned around and says, well, do you have any medical conditions? I said, the only thing I've got is hay fever. And he turned around and says, you might as well just withdraw your application because they won't take you. They just really? they just won't. Because it was at the time the MOD were taking a, doing a load of cuts because the government funding was uh, slashed and this and must hay be fever, hay fever was a was a, a barrier to, to join that's mad, mad. well it's because i i always push to be a pilot you know the one oh, right, role okay. within the RAF that's like super hard to get into idiot me but i loved flying you know i did my gliding scholarship i did all that and you know that, that's 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 life but you know it's like you said earlier, before we started the REF chat, is you know I always find it interesting myself to know where people get to, you know how they get to say from point A to point B to now doing a radio show, and it's fascinating, you know, listening to your story. And I mean, it's coming up to midnight now, so I think I'm ready for bed. Yeah, and me too. I got, I got work in the morning. Uh, so so have I. I'm up at uh, five. 
But there's two questions I want to ask you before we go. Okay. And you, you should know what questions these are because you hear me asking this question all of the time. Okay. Okay, if you do a Dominic, Dominic, I'm not, not getting involved. Oh, okay, I've got three questions I need to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> Number one was, how great was my ID clip, my voice ID, the show um, ID? Out of ten, probably out six. I've been generous. Yeah. You got No, you got to take away the fact that you can't, Factor in your dislike for Dominic. Actually, I'll give you eight just for the bonus Eeyore, Eeyore at the end. I'll give you you an eight. I thought I did all right. I mean, I don't have like top-notch recording facilities here, but, you know, it's it was all right. Um, Second question. uh, You can can edit that in and I'll talk in a minute. (laughs) Second question. Cake or biscuit? Jaffa cakes? Well, look, you can... can get technical you know they are classed as a cake for tax purposes but you find them in a big in the biscuit aisle so you know it's i think it's a biscuit but apparently the uk tax law gives them as a cake all right was it the way around yeah yeah, that that's the way around um but going on to that aisle thing hang on well what flavor was that orange and what Orange and no, see that's not even no. That's like no, straight the bin. Orange and orange and with Jaffa cake, like the keys in the title. No, you can't. You can't have flavored. It says Jaffa. Jaffa's an orange. You can't have flavored Jaffa cakes. Can you? That's not a Jaffa cake. That's a cherry cake. Or a Dodari. Pineapple Jaffa cake. I oh, know. Come on, seriously. Like how many packs of Jaffa cake do you? Have? Oh, there's more. See, that's Jaffa cake. The original. See? Jaffa. I've got four boxes. I've got four boxes of Jaffa cakes. Now I'm so tempted to open up and eat them, but I just love having them here. It's like an emergency stash, you know, for when the world ends again. What did you did you did you get like a selection box of Jaffa cakes for Christmas to me? No, they were all wrapped up individually. I also got oh, I also got this. What's that? It's Clear an Easter Russian. egg. It's an Easter egg, but it's a golden snitch because I'm I'm a big Harry Potter fan. I gotta say the Harry Potter thing, right? I'm not a Harry Potter fan, but yeah, okay. But yeah, Jaffa cake is well, biscuit, biscuit. I think. What, no. What what do you think it is? Do you think it's a biscuit in terms of its shape and size, or do you think it's a cake for its substance? I think it's biscuit in it. I, I think I think even though the cake thing with the tax, I think you you don't eat you don't eat a pack of Jaffa, right? Well, I don't I don't eat a pack of cherry bakewells. I don't eat a pack of of as in like, if I get a pack I can eat a pack of Jaffa cakes in one. <laughs> what, no, what, what do you mean though? You you can't eat a pack of ch- cherry bakewells. I could scoff a ch- pack of cherry bakewells easily. Yeah, but I don't. Yeah, okay. Well, I don't think I don't think they design a pack of cherry bakewells to eat in one sitting with if, one person. Well, okay I, then. If that's the case, then why don't they make the packs of cherry bakewells resealable? Well, that's a fair point. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I think I think I, I think I think it's a biscuit. I think I think a jack cake is is a biscuit, and uh, because like I say, you don't you don't find it in the cake aisle. You find you find it in the biscuit aisle. Yeah, but so, in that case, you find cakes in the bread aisle. It's bakery, isn't it? So you bake a cake. Yeah, you bake a biscuit twice. <laughs> <laughs> Last question. Okay. Last question. We've got that. You're a biscuit. 
love it now. I'm totally disappointed. Last question is pineapple and pizza, yes or no? Oh, don't, please, mate. Don't really. Oh, it's past midnight now. You asked me about pineapple and pizza. Uh, no, no. I don't like pineapple and pizza. And I don't think pineapple or any fruit has any place on pizza, including other fruits. I've seen strawberry on pizza, banana. No. It, no. Pineapple doesn't work. If you like, look, if, if it's like saying Die Hard, a Christmas movie. Let's not go there. It is. Um, it is Christmas. Yeah, it is a Christmas movie. But it's, it's down to taste. As we spoke about uh, about two hours ago about music being subjective, pineapple pizza is a subjective taste. You either like it, like Marmite, you either like it or you don't. And it'll be an age-old argument for however long pizza is available to eat until there's no more food and pizza's gone. Pineapple and pizza will always be a debate which will open a can of worm, can of worm after can of worms. Like. <laughs> so what's your definitive in my opinion, answer? In my opinion, no, no. No. Pineapple doesn't, I, don't, I don't care what Linda Conway says. Or Rachel, whoever, whichever one of them advocates for pineapple. See, I, I, I think it's is it. It must be a common Welsh thing because Rachel doesn't like pineapple and pizza either. I think I, I, I got to stop myself. No, but no, no to pineapple and pizza. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna buy it myself. No. <laughs> oh, thank you for coming on. Do you want to give us a shout out? And uh, do you want to give us a shout of your socials? Where can we find you? Yes. Right, this can get a bit complicated. Okay, so um, Twitter is for me and my own opinions, although I, I don't work for a big brand, but me and my opinions, it's Carl Kendrick Pod, P-O-D. For, for, the, um, for the show, it's SW20 Country on absolutely everything, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Twitch, YouTube. Um, for the new podcast, which is In Conversation with Carl, it's exactly that. So Facebook, Twitter, um Spotify, it's just in convo with Carl, um, and that's pretty much it. And yeah, so all of them. If you look up, if you Google Google Carl Kendrick, I think I'm on the first page. And <laughs> um, what time is your show on a Tuesday? It's every Tuesday. It's nine p.m. until eleven p.m. But then when we get live music back, it'll be nine p.m. till midnight. So yeah, that's it. Every week on Tuesday on sw20radio.co.uk, and you can find you on the Alexa app. Alexa yes, but you have units. to. You have to. Um, you have to enable the skill. So you have to go into the options. I haven't got one. So I'm not quite sure how it works. We have to enable SW20 Radio, and then you can just say play SW20 Radio, and you will get us up. Or just use the app. There's an SW20 app on iOS and on um, Android. That is fantastic. And where can we find your podcasts? Um, everywhere. So we're on Spotify on Google Podcast. We're not on Apple, but we're on everything else. If you go to um, anchor.fm slash in convo with Carl, it gives you all the links to all the platforms that we're currently currently on. That's awesome. You should do like a link tree thing where you can just have all like your separate links for like your Spotify. I should see that'd be that'd be like I'm being organized, but you know I me, mean, I'm, I'm not. But maybe I should do a link tree. I've done it before for other stuff. Maybe I need to do a new one for everything I'm doing, all my fingers, all my pies. <laughs> thank you for coming on. It's been great. It's been great catching up with you. Yes, definitely. And thanks for having me on. Uh, probably the least, like I said before we started recording, probably the least country podcast of the country chat. Well, we, done. we spent at least an hour and a half talking about country music, which is great. Well, true. So it's, it's longer than point. you thought it'd be. Yes, longer than ten minutes. I thought it'd be brilliant. But I do, I do ramble on. But thank you again, Don. I, pre- I appreciate that. It's, it's been nice to be um, this side of the mic. 
yeah. rather than and it's, it's a different experience being here than where you're, where you're so obviously not me being in your house but you know you know, <laughs> you, know, you, know you know what I mean yeah thank you everybody for listening I'll see you all next time and take care for now bye for now that was the Country Chats Podcast. Join Dom next time for exclusive interviews, reviews and general chit-chats on all things country music.